Welcome to another episode of The Paragon Path. This is episode 9, The Battling Anti-Paladins. We've got three amazing guests with us today to discuss the best way to make the anti-paladin work for you. One of the greatest DPSs on the field, using a multitude of weapons, we're going to find out the best way to make you and your friends the scary anti-paladins. Stick around and enjoy the show. We are recording. All right, so welcome to our... I had to do math. Ninth episode of the Paragon Path. This is the Battling Anti-Paladins. Um, I like internal rhymes. This one was way more complex than I wanted it to be, but uh, it technically is an internal rhyme. Live with it. Um, we have three fantastic guests with us today, and we're going to talk about the Dark Anti-Paladin. So, starting with the uh, Anti-Paladin above me, let's go with Aurelius. Hi, I'm Aurelius. Uh, I've been playing for a long time. I think 11 years. I've got... I believe I have the most stick time out of this group, and the second most ant guard time out of this group. Uh, got knighted in 2018, so I've been playing anti-pattern for a couple years now. Uh, it's my favorite class. Happy to be here. Awesome. Let's go with uh, Magnus. Hey everyone, I'm Magnus. I've uh, been playing ant guard since 2007. Got knighted, and I believe 2017 uh it's 2016 or 2017 forget um so i've had access to play anti-paladin since that time i've played it a handful of times i would say my experience with it is not as vast just yet um but overall uh i enjoy playing it enough where i got like pretty fun suit of armor for it enjoy uh running folks down with it it's it's a pretty fun class so far it is a sick-looking set of armor. I almost <laughs> made that your, like, intro thing, where I'm like, no one can tell it's Charlie from outside the kingdom. Like, it's just a giant demonic suit of leather. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good, though. Um, Oddvar. Yeah, Oddvar Ironwolf. Uh, I've been playing Ampard since 2007, and I've been knighted since February of 18, so you are 17, Charlie. Um, See, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> We'd figure it out. Anti-Paladin is the class for me. I love it. I love being evil. <laughs> it's like, not a, a real evil, because you're not like ruining our game or anything like that, but it's like the salty evil that you can play on the field, and it's really a good character role. Um, Alright, so, as always, we've got to start out with making a rubric for what we are judging Paragons on. So, what is the difference between a level 6 and a Paragon Anti-Paladin? Uh, let's start with Magnus on this one. What is your All right. So I'm going to repeat something that you're probably going to hear in every session I'm in. A uh, big difference between a Paragon and a level 6 is portraying that class, not just through garb and roleplay. Um, that's a small portion of it, but really portraying the class as in you're playing as many passes of it as you can, and you are dominant with it on the battlefield. As in somebody goes up there and it's like, all right, you see the person in this case putting on the black phoenix, and you're like, "Oh boy, this is going to be a <laughs> this is going to be a hard fight." Um, but on that same note, uh, taking enough care for the fight, you know, making sure he has fun, everything like that, because I mean, the battle gaming is the main draw of our game. You don't want to be so dominant, you're not creating a fun environment for others. But also taking the time to teach people how to play the class, helping them out. You know, getting to know the class better. It's a little bit more nuanced because this is a knighthood class right now, but 
it's still definitely a thing that should be involved with every Paragon hood is you taking that time and being a pillar of knowledge for your class while still being one of the most dominant players in that class. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what I think separates a knight, you know, a knight, well, oh, sorry, it's a Paragon from a level six is that dedication to that class. Makes a lot of sense, keeping that dedication to the class. And Polaris, we do a kind of bad job on roleplay, in my opinion. Like, we have a roleplay events, but we don't require it for our Paragons as much. Um, and then we, like, hardcore pound in, like, you got to be a good battle gamer. Um, I'm hoping we see a change in that shortly as we progress and come back from COVID and we get more roleplay in our characters instead of less... Uh, I'm optimized to beat everybody. Like, that's not roleplay. Uh, with that, let's go to Odvar on the question. Um, honestly, pretty much everything Charlie said, um, where I see the little difference with this particular class as opposed to other classes, I mean, other classes are more suited for every battle game. This being a little bit more specific in people who can play it, um, this is where I think you do have to roleplay a little bit more to make it a little bit more fun for the rest of uh for the rest of the kingdom. I mean, you shouldn't just be just, you know, focusing so much on trouncing everybody. You worked hard to get right at this position. Mm-hmm. Why not have some fun with it? Remember why you're here. Makes no sense. And that was something the, the Paragon uh, Paladins also said, is being a Paladin and, like, really hamming it up is a, a big part of being that Paladin character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aurelius? I grew up in Taldegor rather than Polaris, so I've got a little bit of a decent view, or a mm-hmm. different view than uh, a lot of the Polaris <laughs> folks on uh, what makes a Paragon. Uh, so you guys have mentioned that Polaris likes to focus more on the battle gaming than on the roleplay. In Taldegor, we take that to the extreme. Uh, <laughs> the only thing the Paragons down there look at is your ability to dominate on the field of that class. So I look at, for me, it, uh, being a strategic threat using the class, your team should be begging you to play that class. <laughs> in big battle games or small battle games, uh, being able to dominate not just being by being a stick jock, but also by using the abilities within that class. You should know how to shut down the classes that you're set up to fighting by using your... Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh... If I you're mean... in that... Uh, like, if you were the rocks in the, or a different class of scissors, you should be able to beat that class every time. Right. Yeah, that's something... Uh, there was a recent, uh, I don't want to say argument, but like debate on a focus group I was in about that game idea. Like the idea of rock, paper, scissors in our game is a little weird because rock, paper, scissors implies a 100% win rate against like rock, scissors, like that's what it implies. But it's really closer to like Pokemon types where fire has advantage over water, but if water plays super smart, it could beat fire, that kind of thing. I've always looked at more like uh, League of Legends or, uh, uh, as I've seen, I've never even played League of Legends, but <laughs> a skilled it... player can overcome the uh, uh, advantage from a different class. Right. There, there's advantages built in. Paragon, you should be largely immune. Yeah. Um, like, Rock will beat Scissors, but if you have a really big pair of Scissors, <laughs> still might win. It just, yeah. And I think that's something that we'll see... Uh, we'll see possibly change in V9 or any V8.5 changes or whatever um, where we're going to probably stray away from like the this class counters this class 
and there's no real change or overlap where like the wizard counters the warrior but the barbarian doesn't really counter the warrior we'll see more versatility i think um so common mistake uh, skipping a question that's not a good thing uh three things you wish you knew when you started playing anti-paladin uh or started playing for your paragon path um which all of you guys are on the paragon path of this so what are three things you wish you knew when you started playing or uh when you actually started going heavy on it so let's start with oddvar on that one um i guess you know i i reverted a little bit back to more of the barbarian thing um i i had already known what i needed to do uh but if i was never had a paragon or anything like that before uh i would say you need to absolutely excel in the class experiment with all everything you want to do um make sure you're experimenting at parks so you know what you can go into a bigger battle game you know kingdom level and really excel with there and then uh make sure you're having fun with it because again if you're not having fun you're doing something wrong yeah this is a game not a job <laughs> like as much as our rose people can take on as jobs i think we should all remember this is a game we should have fun uh, i wouldn't know anything about that <laughs> no no nothing the flame knights know nothing about making you know keep run and <laughs> having jobs like that it's no, a lot of work yeah but we still have to at the end of the day it's a game if you're not having fun Figure out a way to make it have fun. By not ruining other people's fun. Don't don't have fun by ruining people's fun. Don't do not do that. That's not okay. Anti-paladin. But, <laughs> to a point. I was kidding. To a point. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aurelius, what's your three common mistakes? Not three. Three things that, yeah. Three things that you wish you knew when you started playing. Well, the first thing and the foremost thing is to stop at four points of armor. Uh, V8 gate keeps uh, six points hard enough that it's difficult to get there. And by the time you pack on that much equipment, you're uh, hindering your ability to fight. And if you mm -hmm. can only wear four for your class, there's no point to take on that extra weight, that extra heat, that extra effort. So yep. uh, what I'm wearing right now is my anti-palace, which is four points from the neck down. Basically, it's ultralight bracers, ultralight chain with an arm and coat, and then ultralight greaves. Uh, it's exactly four points everywhere and it's the lightest kit i've ever worn uh you can make one and two point kits that are lighter than this but you'll never find a three or four point kit lighter than what i'm wearing and it's i can fight all day in it uh, i can uh, stand in the sun all day in it stand in the shade for 10 minutes and i've cooled off mm -hmm. so on and so forth so i first started playing i tried to put on my old warrior kit and get six points because <laughs> why not nobody can argue that i've got four if i'm wearing six but I about died a heat stroke that day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second, Polis King. When I first started playing the class, I was doing a lot of sword and board, figuring the immunities would keep me safe from a lot of things that annoyed me when I tried to play sword and board as a warrior or any other class, really. But I found that I was, uh, well, first off, doing more damage, and second, the immunities from the class came into play a hell of a lot more when I was carrying the Polis. Mm -hmm. uh, third, uh, the, your Brutal Strike and your Steel Life are strategic resources, not cute little abilities that make the Anti-Paladin more flavorful. They really are the strategic ability. I mean, Brutal Strike has got a lot of uses if you understand how to use it. And I think that's one of the faults in it, is a lot of people see it as like, 
well, why would I wound and curse and suppress someone when I could just kill them? It's like, well, you can't always. That curse is a lot more valuable than people give it credit for. Right. Well, I think the it faults from the part that curse is not remembered most of the time. People get cursed, they get back to respawn, and the resbot heals them, and they go, oh, that's right, I was cursed. I shouldn't be able to be resed. Or they just completely misremember that they were cursed at all. If we had some kind of, like, paint marker or whatever, some way to permanently make sure that you know you're cursed when you get back to respawn, I, I mean, I think it'd make a huge difference on that brutal strike and assassinate. Honestly, I don't care so much about the resbot back at spawn point, so long as they have to walk. That's that's true. They can't be rezzed on the field is a big part of it. And if I brutal strike you, you have to walk. <laughs> that six-point warrior, that's a long walk. <laughs> same with Steel Life. Both of those abilities force people to walk. And yep. even if the resbot gets to them, that's fine. So long as you had to walk. Mm -hmm. It took you off the field for that extra minute or two. Yes. Uh, it's... I mean, it's kind of a weird outside of our game, inside of our game meta thing of making people leave the game for long enough that they have to go back and actually take that full respawn when we've made Resurrect such an easy thing to do. Dropping that curse on any player means they're out for the entire walk back, the whole respawn, and the time it takes them to get back. That could be... I mean, depending on the spell, the, the battle game, I know for keep, that could be up to a minute or two minutes that they're gone, not available to do anything. It's a, it's a huge factor. And, uh, that's primarily what I use them for. <laughs> Take the long. field me, I will burn the, I'll save a, a brutal striker and steal life just to make sure they have to walk. Mm -hmm. Give me a minute or two without them on the other line so I can do some damage. It's a good use. Was it the second or third thing? That was the third thing. So okay. Thought, that's my third. Third thing. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm mixing up my names. Magnus. I was going to say Charlie. Yeah. Hey, to, to <laughs> no, All right. Um, so a few of mine are going to be a little bit of reiterations of what we already heard. Uh, big thing is that, that I took to remember. Uh, first time I played Antipaladin, I went to keep and I grabbed a sword and board. And uh, you're not a frontliner. It, you're just not. You, you shouldn't have sword and board on the front line with all the other warriors and heavy armor. You have four points, everybody else has six. You can still be front line, but you'll be using a pole arm. You will be, you know, that that one step behind because, as I also said, it, as Aurelia said, uh, it's, it's very beneficial. Like, especially when you use that poison weapon to just, like, reach out and hit that person, like, right on the side, like, of the, like right on their calf, or if you see somebody that turns slightly so you can hit just behind their greave and rip them out, it, it feels pretty good, man. <laughs> it's pretty great to do. Um, so I think that would be the first one, is just to know that your role can be that, or a skirmisher. Um, I've done a skirmishing part where it was like, all right, well, I'm going to run through the woods, and I'm going to you know, take this route around or go this way and be that slippery, mobile relatively still well-armored target. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's like the first thing that I kind of wish I knew when I started was don't go frontline. I think I could have had a few battle games that would have been a little bit more enjoyable without me getting absolutely wrecked by people. Mm -hmm. um, another one is also the, the timely and correct use of that brutal strike and of that poison weapon because uh, when I first started, 
you know, I'd wound somebody and you get all excited because it's like, oh, I wounded somebody and didn't kill them. Now I can, now I can say and stay down, ha ha ha. And then it's like, oh, well, I just killed that wizard literally a quarter of a second after I yelled and stay down. And while useful, there's better targets that you can use moves like that on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the the second thing that I wish I kind of knew a little bit earlier is uh, proper allocation of Brutal Strike. I think if I played Barbarian more going into this, I probably would have already known that as well. So something that can be applied to just Brutal Strike in general. For a third thing, though, um, I, I guess this one is uh, is definitely one that should still certainly be there is... Uh, make absolutely certain that your garb or your gear can adequately show that Black Phoenix literally anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. I would even suggest a Black Phoenix somewhere on the front and on the back. Um, Unfortunately, when I uh, got my armor designed, um, I hadn't considered putting a Black Phoenix on it. I have this big suit of demonic-looking leather armor with skulls, all, like demon skulls, all over it, and like red and black dragon scale kind of look. Holy um, image. Yeah, it it looks very anti-paladin, but I forgot to bring my flag with me, like my little belt flag oh. with me to uh, to keep that year. And luckily, uh, Sir Hades was kind enough to hand me his surcoat to wear that had a uh, phoenix <laughs> on it because I had a read call me out for not having a. Uh, a black phoenix. Um, there are a few other reeves that argued on my behalf to say, well, what do you think he's playing? Um, and he was under the belief of no sash, no phoenix. You're obviously an armored peasant. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that is what it is. But I remember that argument. That was a little silly. It, it was silly, but I mean, the guy was still technically correct. Um, the worst like he, kind he was of playing by <laughs> in this case, yeah, it was the worst <laughs> kind of correct. Where it was like, well, no, I do not have a phoenix literally anywhere on my body. But I think even if you have it, if you go for a phoenix, put one on the front and on the back. It'll make everyone's lives easier, even your reeves. Um, because you know, some cases, I might not know if Aurelius is playing paladin or anti paladin that day. I know Aurelius likes anti paladin, so I'm just going to assume it's anti paladin unless I see a white <laughs> phoenix somewhere. But you know, that's just how it is. So, what I saw for that answer, um, I think it was Spring War. Um, the One of the paladins had a towel, a white towel, like a hand towel that he used in his bag. And he had drawn in marker a white or a black phoenix on it so he could throw it at anybody that needed it. And it was like a disgusting towel he used to clean off his face and everything. Oh my god. <laughs> when he's in armor. But he had an extra phoenix. So when someone's like, I don't have it. Wear it or don't play. It was pretty good. At that point, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, here you go. I mean, it, it, was, it was a phoenix. You could tell it was a phoenix. It was, uh, you just had to kind of fold the towel over the belt and it worked. But it was still like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, but it's something you could throw in your bag potentially, like just having a white towel or a black towel for the paladin anti paladin, and just drawing a phoenix on it and being done with it. Um, yeah. But that's like, 
ghetto compared to having, you know, the white or black phoenix that you normally get when you get knighted? Because everybody asks that question, like, do you want a white or black phoenix? And they make it for you. Yes, uh, every, everyone gets asked that question. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. You can uh, ask that question. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> Not quite everyone. I so, what? A black phoenix or a reversible phoenix? Ah. That's, I At like that question. <laughs> I mean, maybe not everyone gets asked that question, but people know what they're going for. Like, if I'm giving Odvar the gift, I know I'm going to give him a black phoenix. That white phoenix is going to hang nicely in his house behind something else. <laughs> oh, no, I'd probably display it as something I'd never wear. <laughs> it's very pretty. It sits right here. Never moved. Like... <laughs> I dust it every month. <laughs> <laughs> it's an option. Um, was that your three? Yes. All right, Avar. Yeah. Three. Did you go three first? You went yeah. first. I did. Yeah, okay. First. I was last for this one. I'm out of this. All right. Uh, we'll we'll start with Avar on this one then. I guess. Uh, common mistakes to avoid. Um, it's been touched on a couple of times, but uh, giant shield. Going with a shield is is such a horrible, horrible mistake. Um. I feel that A, it makes you a giant target uh, because you're, chances are you're not going to get um, waste an enchantment on, on imbuing it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just going to draw aggro. It's, I, I'd much rather be that guy that's slipping in and causing chaos than the guy that's drawing attention and getting hammered on by as many people as possible because they're scared of what you're doing. Right. Um, and along with that, being, you know, too flashy, things that aren't going to help you. I mean, Charlie's Armor, wonderful. That would be my exception to the rule because <laughs> it, it serves a purpose, um, but just like, going at, going out there with a bunch of chains and and you know shiny things and beautiful tunics that are probably end up getting war torn i mean it's <laughs> you're just going to draw a lot of attention i mm. i don't i don't agree with that i like to like i said slip in there and yeah you like the uh the secret flank that you end up causing on the side yeah it works We'll talk about the, the flanks in a bit, because that's uh, battlefield positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some opinions about what, uh, what Odvar just said. We'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, so the, the shield, it's, it's interesting when the shield becomes a benefit, like the breakpoint, when the shield becomes a benefit over when it's a detriment based on how much armor you have. And, like, for warrior we were pretty much all on the same page of, like, if you have six points of armor, it's ancestral most of the time. That shield is a detriment more than it's a help, because it's just a giant target. Your armor does better. At four... Right. Um, At four points, I think we're getting closer to that break point where, depending on your stick skill, it could be a benefit over a detriment, but that depends on your stick skill. Um, But it is always, I mean... Every caster knows as soon as you have that spell ball in your hand, you're like, is that person a barbarian? No. Ice ball. And just... Yep. <laughs> like, it's a giant target. It's really easy to hit. It, it, it's... 
it it has its ups and downs, but it depends on your stick skills. Um, Magnus, common mistakes. All right. Yeah, common mistake. Uh, this is a common mistake that I've been making since the V7. I always got to get reminded it. I'll I'll get it eventually. Um, Pro Flame affects you, <laughs> not your equipment. So when somebody throws a fireball at you, don't just stand there, arms wide open, and eat the shot, and say, "Hey, Pro Flame." Uh, stuff's still getting blown up on you, man. Like, <laughs> yes, you lived, but <laughs> your armor and equipment, not so much. So, uh, um, I mean, that's another kind of gimme, like for amp guard in general. But when you when you walk out as a level one paladin, you're like, oh yeah, pro flame, this is gonna be great. And then it's like, heat weapon, heat weapon will be the thing that it'll uh, you can still use your weapon and stuff like that. But uh. Mm-hmm. You get blasted by a fireball because you decide to be cocky and eat it. Uh, somebody, a reeve will tell you, nah, man, that armor's gone. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, that, that is a thing that happens. Yeah, so uh, just just remember that. Like, that's that's a big thing. As far as the whole, uh, sh- like, weapon combo, shield, I'd still agree with uh, Ivar on that. Like, shields are kind of, eh. Um, I'd use it at park or in games with lower numbers. Um, because I feel at park where you don't have as much of a front line kind of going on, mm-hmm. uh, you may need to consider grabbing a shield for moments like that. Or may consider going Florentine instead of like the big, big pole arm because people can close on you more due to there being a lack of a of a significant front line, depending on the size of your park and how many people are out to and how big the battlefield is. Uh, so, I mean, that comes down to, like, assessing the battlefield and what you should really be bringing out. Um, yeah, I don't think you'd see a, a polearm out on a park day as much as you would see a polearm user on a kingdom or a multi-park meetup slash raid day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Uh, so that, I mean, the common mistakes that I can think of. That kind of fits with the... the... The idea of what a front line, second line, tertiary line, and the flanks are based around, they only work when you have enough people to actually exactly. create those lines. And Polaris, I think we don't really have any single park that's large enough to actually create those lines on a regular basis. Like, no. CC gets to 40-some people, and I don't think they're all in the field at the same time. So no, at the same time. If you're even pushing top numbers, you're still looking at something that's like a 9v9 or a 10v10, maybe up into a 14v14. But then you're you're starting to look at people that are Reeves and things like that taking onto the field. So yeah, you don't have a mini front line, but then... Right. And then your front line relies on having people that can play front line. So it's interesting the way that Inner Kingdom and Kingdom battles are so much different than Everyday Park because the fundamentals of the field... Are completely different. The the front line, second line are gone in park, and flanks matter so much more. But they're also so much looser of an area because it's not like here's a front line, here's a flank. It's like here's the front area, eh, flanks are over here. It's more of a small group skirmishing at parks, right? Yeah. Which is excellent practice for skirmishing and flanks on the side. It's just oh, the, the movement of teams we miss out on in park games. Um, yeah. 
I want more people to play Amp Card. That's my. That's what this is. <laughs> more people play Amp Card, so we can have more people at park, and we can have these big park days, and we can do battlefields instead of like skirmishes in the woods, which is all fun and games. I love that stuff. All right, Aurelius, count mistakes. Keep track of your per life versus per refresh versus charge, because they are not intuitive. <laughs> nope. When I first looked at Anti-Paladin and just skimmed over it and played it for the very first time because I didn't bring enough Monk Sashes for everyone, I was uh, one short. I was like, well, hell, I guess I got to bust out this Black Phoenix. <laughs> and that day fell in love with the class. Uh, I, was, I was not cheating that day because it was a GAC, mm-hmm. and I never got high enough level because uh, we didn't do the quests. We just fought people. <laughs> yes, like, you did. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We I think we were the 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 group that day that beat the vampire lord. The one group. Nice. Yeah, I was pretty proud of that. Then again, it was also a pretty stacked group. It was uh, me, Batman, Peter the Quick. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember this GAC. Yeah, of the groups that were going to beat the last vampire, one. That's the one I'd have put money on, and we did it at level one. So. But uh, I was playing that day under the impression that Steel Life Essence was one per refresh charge times three. Never got access to it, so I never cheated it. Uh, Then Poison Weapon, I'd assumed, was one per life rather than one per refresh charge times three because that's how it is everywhere else. Yeah, it's it's super weird that it's per refresh. It's the only time it's per refresh. Exactly. And that's so that it synergizes with the Steel Life Essence, which Mm -hmm. is... Not really what you want to use that steel life essence for, but so to me that's a, a wasted synergy. Mm-hmm. But but either way, that's the easiest thing in the world to screw up. Yeah, you've anyway, got. It's a very common mistake. Just got to be careful to not make it because you're supposed to be a paragon of virtue, even if you're playing an anti paladin because you got that white belt. Be yeah. the salty kind of awful, not the cheaty kind of awful. Right. Yeah. You've got weird, extraordinary, and magicals as well. Yes, that too. I believe just about everything from Anti Paladin is extraordinary. Uh, so poison is is extraordinary. Oh, and brutal strike is extraordinary, which is weird. So that's really cool because that means your brutal strike. Uh. So weird. Yeah, okay. Oz is the only one that's uh, not extraordinary. Yeah, well, your undead minions are not extraordinary, but that's an enchantment. But it's that's that that only affects friendly players ostensibly. So the brutal strike being extraordinary means that anything that defends against a school of magic specifically, uh, it doesn't care about. So like pro mag doesn't defend against your brutal strike. Is the barbarians also extraordinary? I gotta do back. I gotta go back and do research. All right, give me two seconds. And I'll have it up. Uh, theirs is also extraordinary in amulet. So that is, uh, that's which means that uh, you can wear set, or armor on the places you're likely to get hit and not worry about it elsewhere because the difference between being hit once and twice. so you give yourself that extra room to breathe on the spots where, like, right forearm if you're right-handed, so on and so forth. Anti-Paladin and Paladin can wear four, which means you get two extra hits or four throwies before you beats through your armor. And the uh, rest of the Anti-Paladin and Paladin's abilities are definitely uh, uh, planned or balanced such that it's assuming you're wearing four points of armor. 
So you are badly underpowering yourself if you don't wear. So at least wear some armor if you can possibly get four doing. Because that fourth point is a huge break point with armor. Right. It's to the point that if you're wearing less than four, go ahead and wear the shield. In my opinion. If you're wearing your four, then it's probably time to drop the shield because then you're a big target. But if you only got three, then the shield might actually soak some stuff to eat. Uh, last one is uh, avoid druids. <laughs> a lot of the paladin's power is uh, tied up in its synergy with other classes' uh, enchantments, and uh, druids will take that away in a heartbeat. Of all the classes that can cast the spell magic, druids have it the most in the cheap. So yeah. if you see a brown sash, find a way to deal with it that doesn't involve getting within 20 feet. Demag is uh, a problem if you rely on your enchantments. In my opinion, it's a broken problem in Druid's cases. Because of the Nat Mag? Yes, exactly. A, I mean, so the funniest part about Nat Mag is that Nat Mag counters Nat Mag, so whichever Druid is faster wins, uh, or whichever Druid decides to outsmart the opponent. But it's it's very weird and interesting. Um I don't know what we'll see changes with that, but I agree that Natmag is a little overpowered when a lot of our game relies on enchantments, especially because magic armor is so good. Like, it's almost worth... Like, I'd wear four points of physical armor, but I probably wouldn't put on three points if I know I'm going to be able to get magic armor because it weighs nothing. I don't have to bring anything to the field. Um, it's mendable still. And if it's get a, if I get a persistent with it for Gollum, um, or or a Phoenix News or anything else that throws it with it, it sticks around and I keep getting it. It's really effective. You missed the most critical part of it, which is there are no gaps. Yes. Yep. No gaps is huge. It's no gaps. It weighs nothing. There's a ton of benefits to magic armor right now to the point that it outplays most classes' ability to wear actual armor. It's it's why I didn't wear armor. Uh, at all, ever, when playing Assassin. I mean, you can get two points of magic armor from somebody yeah. else, and it can give you an immunity if you want to go get the iron skin. Like, yep. Plus, it's ancestral. That fireball you just got took in the chest, don't care. It's. I think magic armor is a little broken in balancing against our physical armor, and we need to readjust it. Otherwise, physical armor is still going to stay on the wayside until you start getting to those four, five, six points. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. Um, stay away from druids. Uh, the druids. There's a lot of things druids can do to you, and uh, none of them are good. Most <laughs> of the other casters, if they do, even if you are wearing enchantments and relying on enchantments, they can dispel it, but they're expending enough resources that it's worth it. Right. Druids, I mean, they have so much access to dispel magic that it's square enough. Yeah, the, the, the wizard gets it chargeable. Um, but then that's time that they have to take out of it, and then you're debating, you know, time over a point of spells or whatever that it's take. Um, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it, that one's a lot more balanced because they have to decide to expend time. They have to. It's a a large resource expenditure to take mm -hmm. away your enchantment. Right. Versus with the druid, they can just they can throw away dispel magics like they're nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a lot. Um, 
Okay, so we went through common mistakes. Uh, let's start with Magnus on where Anti-Paladin fits on the battlefield. All right. Uh, so on the battlefield, I'll first explain the kingdom and then like kind of like park level area. Mm-hmm. Um, kingdom level, you you can be in like that secondary line with the with the pole arm, uh, wisely using your your poison weapon, wisely using your brutal strike, and do a pretty fantastic job at that, especially. Yeah, you can send out some undead minions to hit some flanks here and there. Um, I'd say that's a little bit more of a uh, tertiary thing just because it's, it's undead minion and it's a regular undead minion, so you're taking uh, yeah, you're taking a, uh, a a ten count. I mean, a ten times ten of rise and fire rather than the good old times five that you eat with gummy. Right. Um, one of the favorites that I actually like to do, and I mean, this isn't going to be a surprise if you listen to the Paragon Warrior one, is I like flanking. Flanking is is my life. Um, with with both of my Warrior kit and my Anti-Paladin kit, it does stand out. It does cause people to recognize you. Uh, but that can be a good thing because if you're working a flank, you're either going to work a flank to get around and backstab and cause chaos, uh, or you can work a flank to draw attention. And, you know, both my warrior and even anti-paladin, it, it draws attention. Hmm. Uh, it brings people to you to deal with you because you are a threat. And right. you're saying, I'm a threat, but I'm way over there. Come get me. Mm-hmm. And uh, people have to deal with you. Um, you know, you could send, you know, in some cases I've seen it where where somebody makes the right call and they'll send, like, one spellcaster and somebody to kind of get in the way to deal with me, and I hate it when that happens because I'd rather draw, like, three, four, five people. Um, and then to increase that threat, you can't take two undead minions with you as well, but, I mean, that's a trick that you're not going to get very often because it's twice per refresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I've seen the role in meta kind of fitting for them on a larger field is either that, that semi-frontline polearm user or that, like, big flanker that draws attention. I'm sure you could also be a flanker that's a little bit more, well, a little bit less noticeable, hmm. where you get in and then you start causing a ruckus with yourself and some of your buddies mm-hmm. on the side there. Um, I can see that working. Um, for park-level kind of stuff, though, uh, I also see it as more of a skirmishing kind of class at park level. Um, you could frontline with it as well, though, because at park level, you don't really see people wearing four to six points of armor, so you can get a little bit more of a taste of that frontline experience if you want to try out that sword and board uh, style of anti-paladin. That'd probably be like one of the only times you really could try it around. You can suggest it being good, even. But mm-hmm. definitely worth a shot and can be included as part of the meta for like park games and stuff. That's what I have. Yeah, it's so change. Uh, Hodge brought this up at a in, um, Wizard or Healer. I don't remember which one. Um, about your number of players and defendable care defendable players against the opponent's number of defendable players. If you've got five v five, we'll say, and three people on your team are casters or not wielding shields you might need that shield to be that extra defense because if you take a pole arm, well, you're standing behind the one other person that has a pole, that has a shield potentially and your three other people are not defending you. So it 
I mean, a lot of weapon choice, and especially, uh, I mean, melee classes have to rely on it constantly, that you have to look at the field or look at the potential field. Because you don't always know what you're going to be up against until you get picked. Um, but bringing what you need to the potential field and then adjusting your kit as needed for the field. If you show up on the field and you have, you know, your arsenal of weapons, you're never going to run into that problem of like, well, I really should have brought two sticks this time instead of a polearm. But bring the whole thing, you got it all the time. This is where collapsible poles come in. Buy collapsible poles. They travel so much easier. No. No? A big eight-footer. I mean, not all of us can have nice big trucks like Odvar and Q-Ball and transport 15-foot pole arms across state lines. You're, you're forgetting somebody. Does Magnus mm. also have it, too? No, not Magnus. Oh, Al, you've got to, oh, oh, you, no. you've got to travel across state lines. <laughs> yeah, I, I drive the biggest truck of all. Yeah. That's yeah. right. You have, you have to move capital. Yep. No, I, have, I have a little Ford Escape, but I can fit my 8.5-foot pole arm in it. And that's okay. a V7 red. So it's... Uh, <laughs> Haven't had to repair it yet. It's still so, kicking. If you get in a car accident, will it go through the windshield? <laughs> Depending on if I have the butt spike, that's no longer legal, but I refuse to repair. Well, I would say repair, but, you know, bring down to, you know, being V8. Instead, it's just a really good safety tip. Um, or if I have the front pointed. Well, so they did do a recent change on... Oh, I think it affects long weapons technically, but uh, they did they did do some changing on how double end weapons work, so it is more viable to make double ended longs instead of having our weird like a double ended long has to be entirely foam. Yeah, doesn't quite work. So that was fixed. Um, I don't know if that affects your butt spike or not. No, it's it's a one foot long slashing butt oh. spike <laughs> at the back end of it. You could throw some courtesy padding. Uh. Two more feet, and then you'd have a legal uh, nah. spike, I think. I'm like just that. gonna keep it V7 style. Right. Never change it. <laughs> Never change. Uh, all right. Uh, Anti-baladin fit on the field, Aurelius. So I've got four categories. We've got the stick chalk anti-baladin, the flurb anti-baladin. Are we still allowed to say flurb, or is that? Yeah, we're totally allowed to say flurb. Fantastic. Culture changes a. Oftentimes faster than I can keep up with. I got to check with these things. I'm doing my best. Please bear with me. Uh, and then I've also got big big field and small field. Mm -hmm. So a small field is anywhere from like uh, 10 total people to like five-person teams to like even up to like 20-person teams. That's still a fairly small field. Big field is like keep kingdom level, GAC, that sort of thing. Right. All right. So on the big field, if you are a stick jock, you're the pole chad. Uh, bring the pole on. There'll be plenty of fields to hide behind. Uh, murder people with a pole on. Are you talking speed pole or war pole? Either. I've okay. done both. Very effective. Uh, if you're more comfortable with a war pole, bring a war pole. If you like speed poles better, bring a speed pole. Whatever mm -hmm. you can kill people with better and faster. Right. Uh, there's enough access to imbued shields and hardened shields that uh, uh, war poles are somewhat less utility than they once were. Mm -hmm. Especially now that everyone figured out the meta of pool queuing the warpole. Now that they're they actually pay attention to hardening shield. Yeah. That one sort of shifted to where now the speed pools are back in fashion. Plus enchantments for crush break are so easy to get. If you've got a speed pole, you can hit that shield four or five times faster 
than the Whirlpool. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, even if you've just got some enchantment strips, people with shields will tend to back away from you anyway. Mm -hmm. Just assuming <laughs> that one of those enchantment strips, strips gives you that crush break. That gift of water, back away. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, uh, continuing with the uh, uh, stick jack uh, build, more or less, mm -hmm. uh, on, the, on the small field, uh, shields become more viable for exactly the reasons that uh, Avar already said, where you've got fewer shields available, so you should probably be taking one of them since you can take one. Mm. That said, it doesn't hurt to drag a pole with you and drop it behind your team in case you need a pole. Right. Uh, that said, Anti-Paladin isn't a great class for small teams because it's got such limited utility and burns out so quickly mm. in small team games. Uh, basically, you're a, if you're a stick jack, you are your team's best source of sustained pressure and kills because you're built to have a pole and keep that pole working. Mm. Uh, the most common ways to deal with a pole don't work on you. Heat weapons are gone. I, uh, I think a dozen heat weapons last heat just because wizards weren't paying attention to the... Like, I've had a, a giant black phoenix on my hip, and I fight right foot forward most of the time. Yeah. You can see that. And uh, wizards just weren't paying attention. They kept burning heat weapons on me. Aw, oh, shucks. Oh, no. I'm so... Yep, they, they cast it, and like, yep, my weapon's hot. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> Don't care. A free heat? Do I get a free flame bait blade for 30 seconds? No. That'd be so broken. No, it's just it's just warmth to, to de-ice that icy heart that an anti-paladin has. <laughs> it certainly worked for that. I was absolutely thrilled to have a warmed up weapon. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it's it's really I really enjoy fighting next to an anti-paladin because as soon as your weapon gets heated, if they recognize it, they take it from you and give them yours. And, or give them their, like, you take theirs, and you're like, oh, cool, that weapon's hot, they don't care. My weapon's not hot anymore, yeah. I can still kill. Back Great. when Sol Invictus existed, uh, I always had one of our best monk fighters next to me. And, of course, his pole would get heated all the time, and mm -hmm. I would just grab his pole, and often before he realized his pole was heated, I was taking it from him, <laughs> and he was getting mad at me, like, why are you taking Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. all right, we'll take poles now. This pole is too spicy for you. <laughs> Give me the spicy pole. Stab him with the cold one. Go. Like. Yep. Done. It was uh, it was fantastic. Um. So basically, do what what do what you got to do to keep killing because you are a durable pole fighter. Mm -hmm. You're largely immune to throwies. Uh, it takes four of them to break through your armor. They're they're not going to throw enough throwies at you to make a difference. Arrows are still somewhat of a threat, but even then, you've got that magical four points. So mm -hmm. as long as you haven't been hit by a throwie yet, you still you can still soak an arrow. In have most of your armor left. Mm -hmm. Breaking doesn't affect you like it does most armor. So, right, you're, you're very durable. Get that pull. Keep killing. Take risks. Uh, if you are a flurb on a big field, you're the backup necromancer. Uh, abuse that undead minion as much. <laughs> as At that point, a shield is very much worth having because it soaks hits that you don't have to passively, especially if you keep it oriented more or less towards the enemy archers or uh, uh, casters. Since your primary purpose is keeping those undead minions running, it doesn't matter if you get ice balled. You just stand there, do your count, and then raise your undead minion as soon as you're done. Mm. So uh, if you are not a stick jock and you're not, your team is not relying on you for kills, abuse the undead minion. And it's even more strategic use of the, the steel life and the brutal strike. Mm. If you find 
somebody who's not paying attention to you because you're clearly not a stick jock, real strike them. Apply that curse. If uh, you see somebody who's dead and waiting for that uh, resurrect, just uh, walk over, smile at them, and uh, tell them that the life has been saved. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, enjoy your walk. <laughs> they, uh, they look crestfallen. Uh, on the uh, uh, small field, you're still the backup necromancer. It's just a lot more challenging to stay alive. Um, at that point, you're also going to be protecting your wizards and protecting your casters. Basically, use the shield to get in the way of anything that's going to take away your uh, your killers at that point. Mm-hmm. So if you're a stick jock, you're the pressure class. If you're the uh, flurb, you're a backup. Makes a lot of sense. It's And especially because it's a night class currently, hopefully that changes. Um, it means that there are people that are warlords and like fighting, and then there are people that are ANS and don't like fighting as much, but still want to play that class. Um, and oh, they're, cool. Yeah, they're, it's it's a vi- it's a viable class for both. And there, it's one of the classes I think that does that really really well. Is like warrior. If you don't want to fight, warrior and barbarian are not really good for you, but. <clears throat> Uh, other ones are like druid. If you I want to sit in the back line, couldn't quite worth a damn and did a good job with the warrior just by soaking up hits and taking. Out. I mean, if you've got the points on, you're okay getting hit. Yeah, it's a. In fact, I saw Charlie do that when he was uh, about two seconds from heat stroking out and couldn't swing the sword. <laughs> just walked forward, soaked a bunch of hits, and let his team murder the people who were paying attention to him instead of his team. And he just <laughs> all he did was walk forward. That's like, a good a times. It was pretty impressive. Takes a minute to go through six points, especially ancestral six points. You're just like drum rolling like crazy. Even yeah. if you're not fighting back, six is a lot. It is mm-hmm. a lot. so much. It's it's almost too much, but I understand where that six point fits on a balance scale. And because the warrior does have six points, and it, I mean four points is even a lot to get through. Um, there, it's almost never ancestral, though. I would say paladin and anti-paladin are the reason healers should take. Ancestral armor. You drop an ancestral armor on that paladin, four points is a lot more than it used to be, and now Charlie can open up and take that fireball on the chest and not care about it because he's got ancestral yeah. magic instead of just the regular armor. Um, I would argue that there are better ability or better, much better enchantments to use on an anti paladin than uh, ancestral. Paladin, I hundred percent agree with you. That ancestral armor matters. A lot. It's a it's it a big it. change. Yeah, so it turns up from a backup tank into a real tank. Yeah. One thing that I can add on to, like, if you want to do the flurby approach, because um, I, I can, I know I keep, I kind of want to stick flurb with it. Um, uh, you, you can do your best to actually, like, try to just instill some fear in people mm-hmm. and end up winning because of it. Um, there is a roadway at Keep where it was me, there was a person behind me, and an enemy team rounded the corner. And uh, instead of, like, I looked back, saw that my team was still a ways away, and uh, I just ran as fast as I could at them. And uh, the response was, oh, shit, and they turned the other way. Now, I don't know if they thought I was, like, a quest monster or if I was, like, something else, but I, I, I technically won a 3v1 because they just said, nah, I don't want this, and went the other way. And, you know, some of that was flirtiness because I was just like, I yelled and I ran as fast as I could at them. And they're like, nope. Was it a tactically sound decision? No, not at all. <laughs> like, 
if they all stood there, they would have they would have eaten me alive, and I just would have had a nice little walk back to base. Uh, but instead, they said, "Nah, bro, we're good," and just went back. I mean, which was one of my favorite moments. Four that points of that. screaming leather is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And that fear is, uh, is very useful. Uh, another similar story at the, the keep after that one, I think. It might have been the same one. Uh, big wood, the Big Woods battle. Um, I'd been doing my anti-paladin thing and uh, doing some good killing. And my uh, younger brother, or youngest brother, I've got two younger mm-hmm. anyway, uh, has a very similar kit to mine because uh, he built it in my shop and I showed him how, so imagine that. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> right? Like, especially since I spent a lot of years min-maxing uh, this kit, so he wanted a min-max kit, so I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll build mine then. Mm-hmm. He looked a lot like me, and uh, if he holds a shield up, you can still see his uh, his white barbarian sash, but it's not as apparent as uh, as maybe it is if he's just standing there with his arms at his side. Mm-hmm. So from a distance, a lot of folks were uh, mistaking him for me, and he was able to manipulate their entire or large groups of their team into unfavorable positions simply by walking towards them because they thought they were facing down an anti-paladin who uh is uh pushing for warlord rather than a guy who's playing barbarian and is still fairly new to the game so i need to dress like jamie (laughs) all the time yes if you look (laughs) like him and you have a similar kit like if you put me and my brother next to each other we're clearly brothers Mm mm-hmm Especially You're talking about Wedge, they're... right? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Wedge and I look a little alike. Yeah. Especially from 20 or 30 feet. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> That's good. We had a lot of fun with that. Um, uh, fit on the battlefield, Ivar. Uh, I have to agree with a lot of what my two counterparts have said. Uh, it's, you know, I'll generally come to every battle game prepared for anything. Uh, with the small ones, I'll keep I'll keep a shield. I don't like to use it, and Charlie can probably attest that I'll start out with a shield at the beginning of a battle game. It's not there. It, 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 yeah, it's gone by the end uh, <laughs> because I get I'll get frustrated and want to flank or or you know I don't like staying in one place, and that's that's just a me personal thing. Uh, I like to be on the run, uh, especially now. I'm pretty excited to see where things go, uh, but smaller battle games yeah you you want to be prepared for anything uh with the larger battle games i'm 99% i'm a little different than these two i like to go uh stick and sword mm-hmm. and, and run around a little bit more and and create a little stir uh that but that's again that's something a little bit more personal um that down stick man <laughs> it and it's it takes time. That's one of those things that um, that we'll touch on a little bit later in the class. That it it doesn't start out. It takes time. You're gonna die a lot when you're learning it. It's just the way it is. But um, yeah, I, I I think for anti paladin, um, I really like the flanker. But I have to agree with the two guys uh, that came before me. And and you take that full arm. You stand secondary line. Um, even even if you have a little bit more battlefield awareness and knowledge like these two gentlemen do, uh, you can give some good battlefield commands too. And chances are people are going to listen because the position you're in. It's, I mean, 
inherently because they are night classes currently people listen to the knights more more often than not and uh besides like five or ten people people that have knighthoods have been in the game for five seven plus years they've got experience they're not some kid that showed up and is all of a sudden great um or like stunting as they think they're good they actually have tactics they actually have some strategy they have some skill in this game they've been here for a while good to listen to them um all right so we hit on this a little bit before uh and it's it's one of those things that I think people forget about to think of it as an ability and a, a benefit instead of more of just like something that's there. Um, I wish we would have hit it on it a little bit more in the Barbarian one, but the Anti-Paladin, the Paladin, and the Barbarian all have two native immunities, which even when you're all out of spells, you're all out of abilities, you are down to your equipment, you have these immunities. How do you guys make the most out of those immunities? Uh, command and Flame are kind of a weird setup. Um, and Charlie stated that earlier that Flame really, really protects against Heat Weapon, but like that Fireball, meh. Um, how do you guys make the most of that? Let's start with Al on this one. Uh, so the basically uh, parroting myself earlier, uh, avoid Druids. Uh, the other class <laughs> to avoid is Bards. Uh, they... Uh, focus very heavily on uh, verbal death magic. So that verbal death magic, you have no, or no defense again. Mm -hmm. So as soon as they terror you, then you're stuck. I don't remember if it's 20 or 50 feet away. Either way, you're out. 50 of feet for 30 seconds. You're you're backing way off for a very long time. Uh, conversely, while wizards can take some ranged death magic, they generally don't because it's very expensive for them. So most of the time, you can just start trucking straight towards a wizard. So you got to pick which casters you can kill. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also shred most of the melee classes. Uh, you've got more armor than anything but a warrior, and if you manage to save that poison weapon, and there's a gap in the warrior's armor, or there's one location where they're not bad at defending, you can shred any melee class once. And yeah. you can shred most melee classes multiple times, even without that, if you have any of our ability to fight, because you've got more armor than they mm -hmm. You can trade blows with them more than they can. Yeah, healers are another one that's generally vulnerable to you, because their, uh, their ability to defend themselves with um, especially the point and clicks. Mm -hmm. I focus most of my uh, uh, attention on point and clicks. There's a lot of things you can do about balls. Take a step back, take a step to the side. They have to hit you with it for it to do anything. Yeah. So I'm not generally worried about the fireball. Even if they do huck it, by the, I generally know they've got a fireball in their hand before I engage, right? Because mm. you can see it because they're holding it. So if they toss it, um, last time I played baseball was Little League, but even then I'm good enough to get a hand in front of the fireball. Most of <laughs> You're right. So the fireball hits my hand, does nothing because I'm immune to it. Mm. I'm a lot more worried about things like, heat weapon or a, a wounding or a terror. Mm. Uh, honestly, I think the the hold person oh yeah, uh, hold person also doesn't affect you, which is huge. Yeah. No, no, I mean, anything that pulls you out of the fight for a specified amount of time yeah. is absolute murder for the pressure class. Yes. So. I mean, it's like taking the DPS and taking away their weapon. Stop. You can't do what you're doing. 
it, it's the fundamentally the same thing, which is why a lot of DPSs, um, wizards and, and uh, offensive warriors are often hit with those ice balls because it's 60 seconds of you get to sit there and do nothing, your DPS drops to zero for this time period. Huge. I mean, it's, it's control on a big scale. Yeah, absolutely. I'd much rather be killed any day in the world just because a red happens so quickly. Oh, yeah. And if you're the, the pressure class, you're wearing a bunch of armor and you're a full chad, then the, there's going to be a healer. Like, every 10 seconds, they're going to be looking at you to see if you're dead yet. Mm. So, Got to uh, keep that up. Yep. So, yeah. Basically, make sure that you're uh, keeping track of which casters are across from you or within casting distance. And, uh, uh, yeah, if it's towards the end of the game, you can pretty much go after most casters because most of the chargeable, chargeable abilities that you're going to be immune to. Mm. Uh, early game, you got to watch out for anybody that can cast verbal death. Mm. Yeah, those uh, finger of deaths. Um, sphere. I've never been finger of death in two years. It's. I think it's part of, it has something to do with the fact that, like, it's easy enough to wound with wounding than to put a bunch of points into finger of death and then use it to get one kill. So it's one point per one kill when wounding is something per life and you could potentially get more kills with a little bit of extra work for one point. It's a it's a balance thing for spells. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, wounding is way more of a threat than uh, uh, finger of death. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're stuck there. Unless a healer comes around and heals you, which, if that caster stays within range, they can also get that healer now. They've got to worry about multiple targets. Um, exactly. I can't kill my corpse if I'm not a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> they can shove you, though. Unfortunately, that's away from the person, not towards them. We don't have a pull. We only have shoves and throws. Exactly. Um, my opinion, the wounding is far more Mm-hmm. And it's cheaper and easy. It's it's much more common than finger death. Oliver, how do you use your command and flame? Um. Well, the real basic point of it is remember that you have it and remember how it works. <laughs> uh, that's that's a big problem I see with a lot of people. On uh, and Charlie and and earliest both yeah. really touched on it earlier that you know if you're taking things thinking you know they do one thing but really they yeah you're protected but your gear isn't uh, mm-hmm. my example is actually gonna be pyrotechnics getting all your gear blown up just because yeah. you think you're immune to flame oh and that's a flame spell well yeah yeah it sucks being pretty much naked out in the middle of the field now um so yeah that's that's really the 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 way i look at it is remember how they work and and remember that you have them um to really maximize what you're gonna do because uh, at the end of the day if you're not using stuff right you you're just you're not just letting yourself down you're letting your team down mm-hmm. it's uh yeah it's always entertaining to watch somebody take a spell that you know they're immune to um and it's weird our game has that kind of off meta thing like every once in a while i've odd a uh, paladin on accident, and they'll take it, and I'm like, "Wait, you're okay, sure. You you you're can go away. <laughs> like that doesn't sure. All right. Your choice. Um, yeah. 
knowing that you have things that you don't actively have to remember or like use, I think is a, a thing that people struggle with um, until they really get it in their head. Like this is an ability, not just a, a, a thing that I have to remember. It's something you have to keep your eye on. Um, and to remember that you're immune to command or immune to command, you should just think about it. When they mm-hmm. look at you and say, I command you to, you say, well, no, you don't. <laughs> nope. Keep charging. Keep going. I mean, that's old person, awe, lost, uh, agoraphobia, um, astral intervention. That might be it. But the, it's a decent chunk of those are just like, oh, insult. Um just, I just command hey, person sorcery. Is hold person sorcery? No, it's command. I just looked at it. Yeah, I, 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 command the, uh, I command the I command the sap, command the sap, command the spot. Yeah, just any time you hear that. Hear the incants mm-hmm. most yeah. of the time anyway. Well, I always have that's... to ask, what did they do to me? <laughs> but that's something that uh, <laughs> is Michael or Denny, one of the two said, you've got to re- not only remember the incant that doesn't work on you, but also the name of the spell that doesn't work on you. Is like heat weapon kind of makes sense. Your flame, it says flame, it makes sense. Awe, if you don't remember that it's command, you might not remember. I mean, you should. You definitely should. You have one. You should know it's command. Um, <laughs> you get to use it. Uh, we've gone through this before, Merrick. I have people remember things for me. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> my bad. My bad. I'll get your pages and squires on this right away. All right. Wonderful. I have their names. They're on the tree I made for you. Um, Charlie, how to use your uh, command and flame immunities? So I think a way to like best optimize it beyond remembering that you have it, because that that is a very valuable thing to remember you have it. Is uh, try to find the spellcasters what their go-to spell is when pressed, and abuse the hell out of it. Um, I've seen a lot of spellcasters that. When a melee person aggresses on them, they either use heat weapon or they use hold person. Um, and a lot of them tend to prefer the heat weapon because uh, monks charging at them can be a thing that happens. And depending on their park, it can happen to them frequently. So mm-hmm. you kind of, uh, in larger battle games, and even in like your park battle games, it probably won't work as, at park as much because you know, you're going to be seeing each other every week and you're going to kind of stair-step your own strategy with that person. Right. Uh, but I've seen Kingdom Games, and I've done it at Kingdom Games, where, all right, I know I'm immune to flame, I'm immune to command, and the first thing that happens when I charge somebody, or when I saw that warrior charge them, was they cast heat weapon. Well, I'm going to mess with that then, mm-hmm. and charge them. If they start casting heat weapon, I'm just going to grin and keep going. Or if they cast... You know, hold person, you see them doing that. You, you charge them, so you bait out an ability that you're immune to, and once you hear them begin that incantation is when you really, like, you know, you, you really kick your run into high gear to hopefully get them before they realize the error of their ways. <laughs> and, uh, and you get them. Um, and, you know, if they're a player that also, you know, remembers things as as the game goes on and can break out of their own, like, you know, real quick, oh no, someone's charging me kind of mentality, they'll probably counterplay you next turn, but it feels good if you, even if you get them just that once, to be like, oh, got you. Take that. 
I mean, it's that real meta play. Like, you're you're almost... It's kind of the same way you do tournament fighting every once in a while, where someone has, like, exactly. one or two openers that you know they use. So you just protect against those. Um, it's, it's a reason that my go-to spell has become Shove as a bard, because barely anybody is immune to sorcery. Like, basically nobody. And Shove works. Um, it's a little long to get we'll off. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> It's a little long to get off. The downfall of it is people can attack you while going backwards. The benefit is not many people are good at attacking while going backwards. And uh, especially as an anti-paladin, you have a polearm. This is bit, is, it just killed me a couple times. Where I will shove someone charging at me with a polearm, they get within their range, they just stab me real hard once, and then keep backing up. They got the kill. I don't care. I'm going to go take a jog around the field. <laughs> range matters. Um, I've got one more thing to talk about yeah, yeah. before we move on. Sorry, you're good. Totally spaced it earlier. Uh, far as taking advantage of your immunities to command and flame, communicate with your archers, and by that I don't mean the class archer. I mean somebody with a bow who knows how to use it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, especially if they pick particular people to target, you can thin out the people that are like. Remember which wizard took wounding, and have your archer target that wizard. As soon as they're gone, then you can start pressing. Because you know you're immune to everything else out there. Take out that rock to your scissors with their paper. Exactly. <laughs> yep. That's... Yeah. Since you're the pressure unit rather than the tank, you have time to back off of the line. Mm-hmm. Communicate with a couple of key people on your side. Uh, get your uh, artillery units to uh, take out the right spots. Mm-hmm. And then you can apply pressure much more effectively. Yeah. I mean... That's a lot of battlefield strategy that I don't know everybody recognizes. I really hope anyone on the Paragon path recognizes that they need to understand strategy and, and tactics in that moment, but I don't think the average player takes it into effect as much as they really should of like how much, how much of a difference you can make by working as a team instead of how much difference you can make by working as an individual. Um, I wish more people knew that. The teamwork just wrecks things. They break everything you can think of that's like, well, I'm immune to this, and the teamwork will get it done. Um, organized teamwork, I should say. Organized teamwork works way better than chaotic things that happen at battle games. Um, I've got a little spiel on this for in my uh, spicy takes. Okay, so I'll, <laughs> I will wait for that one when it comes up. Uh, recommended tactics, because we were talking about tactics now. Um, Aurelius, what do you recommend for tactics and strategy, like offensively and defensively? So there's a a couple of things I like to do. Uh, First is a target acquisition, both both offensively and defensively. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to actually name drop a couple of the Polaricans that are relatively well-known in this. So if I'm squaring off with aggro, my -hmm. first priority is to take his legs. He's got a boatload of armor, and he's not going to want to walk. It's heavy and it's hot. So if I can take his legs, he'll actually take the red leg rather than taking the death. Mm. And uh, that pins him in place so he can't press my team. And uh, it also is going to draw a healer forward because he's a very valuable player. Right. Because he's got that team and he can move him. Uh, I'm actually going to do that to Magnus too if he's playing Warrior. Uh, <laughs> pin the tanks in place so that they can't move around. Right. Uh, Keep pressure on line fighters, anybody that's decent, especially like if, if Jamie's walking up with sword and board. Uh, uh, Lily Sunshine, for those of mm. who don't know Jamie. Uh, 
like if he's on the other team, I'm going to keep pressure on him, but I'm not going to expect to get a lot because he's that good with a sword and board. Mm-hmm. If I can snag a leg, great. If I can't, oh well, so long as he knows that I'm looking at him and I've got a full arm and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. If he does have a full arm, then we're going to have a grand old. But, uh, <laughs> um, if a magic user step forward or steps forward, if you're uh, a stick jock, and for me personally, I'm a, I usually rock pull Chad. Uh, you've got a nine foot, or my pole's close to nine feet long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a magic construction with a lacrosse stick and a piece of carbon fiber. It weighs nothing, and yeah. it, it, it's amazing. And it, at nine feet long, or close to it, I can surge forward pretty rapidly, and I've got a pretty long wingspan. Mm-hmm. In about a step and a half, I can close a 20-foot gap if somebody's cast. So most inca- incantations, if they don't, if the caster doesn't have a shield in front of them, I can kill them before they get it out. Mm-hmm. If it's naturalized magic, not happening. It's a single line. That's just a, yeah, there's no way. Mm-hmm. It's just over at that point. Which is why I say avoid druids. But most other casters, if they're not going to burn a swift, then I'm going to kill you before you finish your in mm-hmm. If you're a bard with a shield, maybe not. But I'll at least knock off an arm or something. Right. But, uh, yeah. Um, it's sort of like again the pressure class. You surge forward and fade back when when it gets too hot for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got four points of armor, so feel free to soak a few hits in order to gain some valuable advantage. Just got to use careful timing and range control to make sure it's worth it. I'll be right back. Cat is doing a stupid cat thing. Okay, like ten seconds. That's Good where kid. that pole arm really comes into effect. Is it gives you so much more range and time. To think about, like, you're not worrying about soaking as many hits. 90% of the field can't hit you because they're, you know, not within range to shoot to hit you. And, I mean, yeah, bows, spell, spell balls, and throws, and all like that. Unless an arrow really hits you, they're all just one point for the effect of the spell ball, which depends Here's on what the it other is. secret along those lines. Mm-hmm. If you're wearing heavy armor, like, if it's clearly, like, I've got plate bracers, yeah, they're only four points because they're, uh, Aluminum with heavy gauge on them. Mm-hmm. And there's no other modifier. Like five minus two plus one, four, yeah. good enough. But they see that heavy armor and they feel like it's a waste of an arrow to shoot at you or a waste of throwing to tuck stuff at you. So most people don't even try to hit me if I'm wearing armor. If I'm not wearing armor, then folks will try to hit me all day. I'm a pincushion pretty quickly. Right. But if I'm wearing armor as a full arm, most fights I don't even get hit. Most fights, when I take a death, it's because uh, somebody cast it. Hmm. Or hit me with a ball spell and I'm colorblind. I couldn't tell what it was. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. Uh, yeah, that, that's a huge problem for me. I, 7-7 was a lot worse. Like, two-thirds of the spell balls I couldn't tell apart. Oh. And have wildly varying effects. 8-0 got a lot better. Yeah. I was very grateful. For I know, but, uh... Yeah, basically... B9's looking at colorblind. So we're, we're hoping I, that changes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but uh, it, it's going to be a big challenge. There's mm-hmm. like five or six different flavors of colorblind. Yeah. You can't win. Luckily, I'm the most common flavor of colorblind. They'll probably accommodate me. Uh, I know that but we were yeah, looking well, at switching strip colors because... Uh, White and yellow look basically the same, and depending on which colorblind you have, red can also look the same as white and yellow, which is great. 
That's a weird one. Because typically, you can tell the difference between shades. I can, yeah, I can see red and yellow being red. Yeah. What's that? I see red and yellow being confused. Red and white seems like it'd be difficult. But I don't doubt it either. I don't know. The, so the one that we saw, the, there's a there's one that's super rare that essentially is three cones that just don't work. Um, you have blue, pink, white, and shades are all you get. Those are the only colors you can di differentiate. And then the the tints on top of those. But like, really hard to tell the difference between like a dark blue. And, like, if you see a dark blue and a light blue, you don't know what those colors are unless you've really trained yourself to figure that out, and that's not always consistent. Um, Here's the fun thing. With my particular flavor of uh, colorblindness, mm -hmm. uh, pink and white are the same color, for the most part. Really dark, heavy pinks oh, God. are gray. So some of the colorblindness accommodations are uh, uh, incompatible. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to accommodate everything. Yeah. It's just, if you want to use color as magic. We'll figure it out. We'll try to. We'll do our best. I know. I know you guys are going to do your best, and it's going to. It'll be better than where it is now, and that's that's what matters. Mm -hmm. um, and if there's a yeah. Anyway, uh, so to sum up what I've got for uh, uh, tactics, um, you're you're the pressure player, so try to deny the op opponent's pressure. Mm -hmm. Do as much killing as you can, because uh, a lot of the DPS has limited ammunition, and you don't. Mm -hmm. So late game, you're going to be the DPS, and you're going to be the uh, try to deny the enemy team mobility because it makes it that much easier for anyone else to kill them. Didn't especially focus on tank or denying tanks mobility because if mm -hmm. you've got a mobile on the other side, that can wreak havoc, especially if there's a weak spot in your line. If you force the tank to hold still, then it's uh, no longer an issue. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like basic math, essentially. Like, if you have walls, stop wall from moving. You have a DPS, it stop the DPS from walls. Yeah, I mean, but like, if you have a, a defendable object, stop the defendable object from moving. That means that the things that are relying on the defendable object have to stay with it or go behind it or leave it in the dust, which is then ultimately a lost resource. It seems like easy math, but sometimes it doesn't always come out that way. And I mean, it obviously gets much more complicated when we're looking at like a keep-sized battlefield of 200 people. It's a lot of moving parts. Um, Alvar, how do you... Then, a lot of times you can separate it out into micro. Uh, right. You can stop this section of of, uh, of their wall from moving forward for between 10 and 30 seconds, maybe even a minute or two, depending on where their team's at. And at that point, you can then go help somewhere else. While this state, like, you know this section isn't going to move, and now you can apply your efforts elsewhere. Right. So the, uh, enough people work in those microcosms makes big changes. Yeah. But that talks, takes a lot of communication that we in AmpGuard don't always have. Um, people true. are bad at talking to the person four people down, um, which is unfortunate. However, how do you uh, do tactics, recommendations? Um, not to beat on the same points too much. I'm just going to move to the one I have different, uh, or not even different, just wanted to touch more on. Uh, and this kind of really fits with Anti-Paladin more than anything else. Uh, heroes don't live that long. So, uh, I mean, do what you can, but there's no shame in running away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At least when you don't feel shame, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can go in there, uh, you know, soak a couple hits, but if you, you realize you're going to get overrun or, or take something to big disadvantage, don't try to play the hero. Just get out of there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
live to fight another day. It's uh, uh what is the quote from Firefly? Uh, heroes are the people that get other people killed. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it kind of rings true sometimes if the hero's not working with their team. So, uh, that that sometimes your hero is Magnus who walks forward and turns their other team sideways. That is also the case. I mean, he died in that case, but it was a well-timed death. And just about a dozen people with him. <laughs> right. It uh, it's it's all about timing and planning and choosing when you know you're gonna croak. Uh, oh yeah, exceptions to every rule. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there's a, a hero. Like I'll I'll tell that one. Uh, when we get back together, the TLDR is a uh, <laughs> uh, Tugan and I one time at Keep managed to keep pulling people, and we used uh, terrain to our advantage since we had Greaves and they didn't. So we went into the Aww. spikiest part we possibly could run into, and they kept following us. I remember And then more that. people kept following us. And then more people did, and then we just pieced out of there. Tugan and Raven talked about a similar tactic, except with a pond. Uh, they didn't care if they got wet, but everyone else did. So they jumped in the pond. Yep. Works. It's a, it's a very anti-paladin move. Like harass, run back into the thicket, come get me. No, harass, run back into the thicket, come get me. Like, yeah. Also bribery. <laughs> I won't kill you if you go away. Mm-hmm. Or you know, there's other bribes out there. I yeah. won't mention anything, but you know, just I've been I've been bribed before. Ivar <laughs> may have come out with some shiner or something like that. Who knows? No, it was a cider. Ah. Mm. All right. All right. I would. I would have gone <laughs> for like an enchantment or something like that because they can't. I mean, I do like the the idea of coming out with some something to drink, but uh, I do like trading enchantments with the enemy. <laughs> it's very hard for them to cancel it when they can't touch you anymore. Very well. Uh, Magnus. Tactics. Yeah. So uh, I'll go. I'll touch a little bit on target acquisition, just like basics. Um, mm-hmm. For me, uh, I really like saving the brutal strike for barbarians. Okay. Because if you kill them with that, there's no fight after death. Yep. And since you get that per life, that means you get to shut down a barbarian's life once per life that you've had. It's it's a one to one trade, but I think it's still a pretty decent, like good. You're getting into this. This is a good tactic, a good use of... You, you can't go wrong with it, really. Like, <laughs> Unless they've already exhausted all their after deaths, then right. yeah, you, you can go wrong with it by continuing to use on the same barbarian. But it usually tends to be a safer choice, especially uh, if they are around your flank. Um, like, if they're in a, in a position, like, you're fighting defensively and they already have your flank compromised just by existing where they are, Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it might be, just be safe to use your brutal strike then and be like, there, no fight after death, they're not going to run off and rip apart a healer. Or, you know, if I legged them first, then I'm not going to... I'm just going to kill them regular, because they fight after death while legged. Okay, have have fun me running. Unless they're, unless they're a fighter who is, like, known for being able to still run fast on their knees. There's a couple that I know of. So it's like, with that, then you might you know, still even do it, but then that comes on to knowledge of the person you're going against. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a tactic that I like to, to use. 
uh, kind of get a feel for it. And if I don't know the players all that well, it's a solid one, I'd say. Uh, for poison, uh, that I just try to aim that at like the best heavily armored person usually, because mm-hmm. if you're actually scoring on them, you're probably not going to score that many without shooting through armor. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you actually get that lucky hit with your pole, or you know you get like just in that area by the knee where most people yeah. don't have that armor. You get like right on the side of the knee or you have to sweep it around to the back of the calf. Mm-hmm. Take that W, make it, make it really count um, and get them that way. Um, and sometimes for steel life even, um, even if I don't have something that has to be recharged, um, sometimes stealing life, a high value target to make them that much harder to res is worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, you only get one rechargeable ability. Yeah. So you get poison weapon. Mm. And that's all you really get to recharge with steel life anyway. Um, I mean, you could heal a wound, so, but in four points of armor, ideally yeah. you're not wounded. That means you're... Yeah, you're very likely to be wounded. Yeah. Um, so in some cases, I would use that against somebody who I knew was like a really good caster that I killed. And be like, all right, I just need to make that healer's life this much harder now. And that caster make the long walk. I'm stealing my you didn't poison me though. Yeah, I know. I'm not recharging anything, but I'm making your healer's life suck that little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of strategy and tactics that I use, like with the abilities. Mm-hmm. Um now the primary strategy, which like I said, it's gonna be a recurring thing whenever you hear <laughs> hear me on any of these parry on that things is pointing because Getting out there to the sides, especially in like forest games where your vision is broken up a bit by either hills, trees, brush, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it can play a really good point just to be showing up. And when you're an antipaladin at four points of armor, you can skirmish well. If I'm hitting a flank and doing hero work, I'll I'll go uh, Florentine even just to you know get more DPS down, if you will. Right, uh, I mean, a shield technically halves your DPS, because you've got two sticks, you got twice as many hits. you got a shield, you've yeah. got, technically, one per one stat. Yeah. Oh, that's my Oh, yeah, so pole, arms, pole arms allow for, I think, I mean, if you're doing that speed pull, like we talked about earlier, you've got that more potential for shots. Um, but then you're missing yeah. out on the crush break potential. Uh, I think that all falls into knowing which field you're going into. Because, like, if you're going into a woods, I really don't recommend a nine-foot polearm. You're going to go tromping through, like, brush and things like that. That probably isn't the best. If you are playing that, uh, like, keep on the borderlands, if you're playing that person on the pathway that's going to block off, a nine-foot pole can do a lot of damage in a hallway that's only five-foot wide. Yeah, a lot of work. It's it's a lot of potential. Uh, You've got to know what you're doing and choose your weapons accordingly. Um, so, oh yeah, that, that reminds me of one other tactic. It's not really uh, a tactic specifically for anti-paladin. Mm-hmm. It fit, fit the anti-paladin theme, because I would say uh, it is a tactic that obviously it follows all amp guard rules. It is a, a tactic of... Uh, I, I did it when I was in plate, mainly because I got tired as all heck. It was at a known world war. I was using a war pole, and as I was getting tired, the pole started like, getting down more and more because I have all this armor on, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where the f- pole was pretty much just floating just above the ground. Well, at that point, the enemies started 
stepping over the pole. <laughs> so when an enemy would step over the pole in their armor, I would take my chance to lift said pole. And a lot of people don't have armor at the groin, and you can one-shot people, I'd say. Like I said, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's an anti-paladin-like thing. If we're talking, like, role-play anti-paladin, I'd say use sparingly. Probably not at all, really. But groin shots are legal in our game. Cups are recommended, but not required. So... I honestly thought you were going to say, like, bounce it between their legs and knock all their armor off their legs and then leg them. Uh, the groin no. shot is... <laughs> what was that? Charlie's going to go whole hog. Oh, my God. <laughs> as long as you don't lift the kid off the ground by their groin, I think oh. you're okay. <laughs> That's just excessive. <laughs> like, some of the times I, I did it, you know, you Holy lift just the one and get your there. And uh, usually they'll call dead once you just... <laughs> just that little hey. tap. <laughs> Just, just still be polite. Like, <laughs> but I mean, that's a tactic that I've seen with pole. I've had it done to me before as well, where oh. I've been on a line fight and I didn't realize a pole arm. I'm in my full suit of armor as well, and I, and I didn't even watch my step, and I stepped over an enemy pole arm. It was like a ten foot speed pole, and uh, yeah, I have a full suit of armor, and I have the tacit belt, and I have all that, but. My groin does not have protection, and I squared up to get ready to fight the person across from me. And uh, that player looked at me and winked at me because he knew his buddy, who was a pole arm behind me, had the pole right between my legs. And uh, I, I took a nice, like, I took my time walking back to res for that <laughs> one. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm going to walk this off a bit. That's, that's uh, very anti-palate. <laughs> Yeah. No, it wasn't gentle like me, Charlie. <laughs> no, Gary has the gentlest groin shots. <laughs> He's done that with the down pole, you know, down spear a few times, oh. too, where it's just like, oop, that could have been really, really, really bad. Glad, yeah. glad he pulled back at the last second. I'm taking that one. Could have been a whole lot worse. <laughs> well, that that's that difference of being mean and just... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You gotta find that line and then carefully make sure it is never crossed. It's, uh, it's a tactic that you do with a pole arm, which is why it's like you could do this, but it's like use it wisely and also don't like don't be an asshole with it. Like yeah. don't lift people off the ground and make their lives a living hell just because you can get a one shot kill on them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Maybe uh, not. Really it's a game. It's not worth it that much. Yeah. <laughs> no one needs to go to the hospital nope. for a game. Um. All right, hidden gems. Uh, go to abilities and hidden gems. What do y'all use for good, like your go to abilities? And we've talked about brutal strike, um, poison and steel life a little bit. Are they the go tos? Uh, let's start with Oddvar on this one. Um, poison is definitely uh for me a little bit more of a go to because I'm normally not fighting somebody, um, or I'm not fighting in big groups, mm-hmm. so I can get away. I can charge and go back into that fight with with another uh, poison weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, steel life, I don't tend to want to use that on poison weapon at all. Uh, again, being alone, uh, or, or most of the time alone in flanking, I'm going to reserve that steel life for if I catch a wound, or, or um, tactically trying to drop somebody out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
like Al had touched on earlier, making them take the walk. They can't get rezzed and come come from my back or, or anything like that. Right. Uh, brutal Strike, I'm going to use that uh, generally as an anti-paladin, stopping a, a flanking barbarian so they can't wreck my team with fight after death. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be my, my little caveat to that. Or uh, if I'm outnumbered and, and still in that fight, I'll, if I catch the caster, that's, you know, that's my, my saving grace is that's when I might, if I have that brutal strike available, use mm-hmm. that brutal strike so they can't cast on me, you know, mm-hmm. they take that suppression. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an interesting use of suppression in our game because our suppression is most of the time that we see it used at range, but brutal strike brings it to a melee character being able to apply suppressed, which is very interesting and very cool. Um, but I think it is underutilized. It's, it's mm-hmm. Just people don't get used to the fact that you can do this thing, and they miss out on it. Um, we'll see what happens uh, if there's any changes to either Brutal Strike or any of the other abilities that make it more powerful or less powerful. Um, balance is always the thing we got to play with. It, it's yeah. something that's more a little bit more specific in my case when I am using that more down stick it and sword mm-hmm. combo. It gives me an ability to engage with one person, do a quick out and strike with that down stick and brutal strike. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you're sword and board, it may be a little bit more difficult to do something like that. Right. Um. It, it's it's definitely a case by case scenario. You can't. You can't blanket it on everything because you know there there's other people that are going to do things a different way and they're going to work just as well, if not better. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's everything's going to have to be lined up with the gear you're going to use. Right. That's why bringing the diverse kit is a good good plan. Uh, mm-hmm. Magnus, go to abilities or hidden gems. Yeah. So go to ability, um, like go to ability slash hidden gem. Uh, in small player scenarios, I'd say, like, you know, your park day, stuff like that, actually would be off. Um, if you start out a small battle, and you can, like, let's say it's, we're just going to say, like, it's an 8 on 8, or even, like, a 10 on 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to have a front line, it's going to be small, like you said, it's going to be, like, a front line kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can even offset that number by one, that could be a make or break for some of the initial fights. And since it's per life, and if you look the part, you get two of them, you can even come out swinging with two Oz. It also does depend on team count then for timing, because uh, if you know that there's a caster that's just going to be able to release the person right away, mm-hmm. uh, either you need to be able to communicate with your team and maybe even say ahead of time, like, hey, I'm going to awe this person. When that caster starts doing release, now you've shut down that one player who has to stay away from you, and you're you're tying up a spellcaster that's casting release on the person. So now you've got kind of that two-for-one kind of opportunity if you can time it right. Um, so all I would say, definitely in smaller games, uh, it starts to lose its uh, it starts to lose its shine or you know its value. I would say as you get into larger and larger battle games, just because there's so many people that one person offline for a little bit isn't going to really make a massive difference in most situations. Right. And I'll say that in most, because 
you know, there can definitely be some situations where it does end up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, cat. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so there'll be some situations like that. Um, then I would say for like larger battle games, uh, for me, uh, poison is my favorite one to use just because getting that one hit kill and then being able to recharge it, uh, you're going to get a lot more mileage out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're a polearm on the front line or, you know, that, that mid line, whatever, um, you can poison, have time to take a step back, usually unless you guys are getting pressed really hard, recharge it, and just poison another person, hop back, recharge it, poison another, and you can just keep it rolling. So in large battle games, that's like the job. Like, that is that is excellent, especially if you're if you're that polearm user. And it can still be really great when you're flanking, too, if you tar- catch people out here and there where you get a kill, you retreat back into a either hard-to-reach area, like a thicket or a or just terrain advantage, or, you know, back into your allied line, recharge that poison, go back out there to slay another few people, and then you can just keep bouncing it that way. I've had a lot of fun with poison, uh, both as an assassin and as an anti-paladin. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of my favorite abilities. I wish I could say more about Undead Minion. Like, I want Undead Minion to be good, but with the existence of greater Undead Minion, like that, that less, that little bit less of a time to bring somebody back up, mm. uh, you feel it. Mm. Like I, in my times that I've played Anti Paladin, I have used Undead Minion, maybe cast it four times, and been like, eh, this is, it's a bit underwhelming actually. Um, Paladin, like, Anti Paladin is a little interesting in in a way where I think like the capstone cool ability, you get at level one, which is your immunities. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool, but nothing really seems as cool as the immunities that are granted to you at level one. Right. Um, I mean, I think that like the same can be said about eh, Paladin gets some cool enchantments and stuff that they get to hand out to other people. And the Pro Mag well. and the extended immunities. Yeah. So, it's... I think for Anti-Paladin, nothing really stands out to me as well as your level one abilities of just being immune <laughs> to some stuff. Being able to go past it, yeah. It's yeah. so I've had this discussion with different people multiple times. The benefit of undead minion over greater undead minion is they can't be wounded as undead minions. They get wounded, they die, they have to come back. So you're not worrying about your greater undead minion being out there and lost a limb, lost a leg. Just that sucks. Like it's a wasted resource. They're fragile as undead minions, so they get that one shot, they come back, they get popped, they go back out. Um It's it's a it's a choice thing. The the ten times in Canter Redo is a is a little bit rough sometimes, especially if you're in combat. You've got to kinda of step back and get exactly. ten off. It's a it's real rough. Um if you're a pole chat, you do not have time to do ten. No, no, you don't. No. Um, if you're the floor be anti paladin who's mostly protecting wizards and whatnot. You absolutely do. Right. But uh, but yeah, if you're if you're fighting with a pole arm, you are needed with that pole arm. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to get off. But I mean, because you're you're literally taking away time from being a DPS to kind of be a support. Like it's a little weird. Yeah. Weird trade. Yeah. I don't think it's really worth it. No, and it's it's also something 
uh, Undead Minion is better on armored targets than Greater Undead Minion. Because Greater Undead Minion is real good for monks. They have their traits and their abilities that help the, their passives that they can keep using. The Undead Minion, you give it to like a uh, warrior that's under-leveled or something like that. They lose out on some of their scavenges, but they also don't care as much about that fragile. Of course, it's they now have to get mended and things like that to stay up. It's a it's a it fits in a weird area that it doesn't always work or isn't always beneficial, but it is. It's got some pros over Greater Dominion, in my opinion, but not often better. Um, in the long run. Al, what are your uh, go-to abilities hidden gems? I'm going to repeat the poison weapon. I disagree a little bit on the usage. Uh, my opinion with poison weapon is I will immediately poison my weapon and kill the first target I can possibly see with it. Mm-hmm. Try to generate a numbers advantage for my team as quickly as possible. Then if there's a break in play, I'll uh, uh, step back and charge. But as long as there's fighting going on, I'm going to be part of the fighting. and mm-hmm. Applying pressure. But as soon as there's no enemies present to do that to, then... That bad charge it again, and as soon as there's anybody I can kill with it, I'm going to use it. If I die with a poison weapon still in my uh, or still ready to go, I uh, wasted that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as hidden gems, uh, we already talked about brutal strike quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So instead of rehashing what we've already talked about, I'll tell you about my favorite combination of uh, uh, abilities. So I'll start out by uh, legging somebody that uh, is very valuable valuable to the other team, preferably a tank. But honestly, anybody that a healer is going to come forward and try to heal. Uh, once they're legged and once that healer is forward, I'll surge forward and brutal strike the healer. And ideally kill that healer with the brutal strike. But even if I just take their arm, cool. Now they can't heal for their mm-hmm. And then I'll follow that up by killing the tank because I've got a pole in their leg. So I'm going to kill them. Right. And then steal their leg. So now two people have to walk. Two valuable people have to walk. That's a... Uh... Works really well, as long as no one is immune. Well, no, it doesn't even work because the brutal strike. Yeah, as long as they're not already cursed for some reason, that that fundamentally works. And there's no reason besides a gummy being dead. That, yeah, no, that works in every case. That works really well. I like it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Anybody that's immune to either one of those abilities is already cursed and already has to. Yeah. I don't care. They can walk. So long as they're walking, I'm happy. Yeah, they can walk the front line, move them someplace else. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, all I usually keep in my back pocket if there's a caster that's annoying. I'll make them stay away and give myself 30 seconds of caster free, killing their team time. Mm-hmm. Killing enough seconds. of their team, or I just have an easy time killing whatever caster. I right, 30 seconds is a lot of time. Oh yeah, I can kill a lot of shield bearers in 30 seconds. <laughs> give the uh, <laughs> Archer that I already talked to, plenty of uh, opening to kill that caster. Yes. It's, uh, it's... I mean, once again, teamwork makes the dream work. Work with a teammate, get a little tactical uh, advantage, takes care of it every time. Um, every now and then, teamwork screws your team over when you uh, try to heal that tank, and I'm just waiting for you with the brutal strike. Well, I honestly like that better than killing the, the barbarians with it. Because if I'm rocking a pole arm, usually I can just legs a barbarian before they can right. their, uh, fight after. But I mean, that's if a failure. Yeah, but th- there's a there's a failure breakdown on that 
their, their team. If the healer is going by themselves essentially to the front line, they're probably missing their defensive buddy or they're not wielding the right equipment to deal with that thing. Like a frontline healer should probably have a board. Like in my opinion, I don't I don't see a reason why a frontline healer shouldn't run it. Crushing breaking. So yeah. if they've got a board, it's not viewed because they can't view their own board. No, but they can uh, get a buddy. Healer. Yeah. Yeah, they can absolutely get it from a buddy, but uh are you gonna give it to a, a healer or are you gonna give it to the warrior with six points who is dumb enough to bring a shield? Is I used to actually a shield. I keep that's where I kind of came up with an idea of buddy healers, and I would run around it with you know an imbue shield as a healer, so I could make my way up to the front line, come back up mm-hmm. the front line, come back. But it it was something that was one of those one offs where you try it and it ended up working really, really well. Um, but that's that's a whole nother conversation for another time. That's neither here nor there, but it, it kind oh, of falls into the yeah, there's times and places where it doesn't work, but it's. It's a pretty high probability combo of one. Right. I think they've got four points to play with. If they do bring a buddy with them, I can soak a hit to get that or get a shot in on the healer. Right. Oh yeah. I have to kill the healer. I just have to hit him someplace. Yeah. Get that suppression off. It's a. I mean, technically, brutal strike is up to the distance of the longest range weapon that you are melee able to wield. So, like, how long is cue balls? Uh, lament and whatever. Are they fifteen Those foot? Fifteen. Okay. The, the secondary Lem- ones were eighteen. Okay, so you have a potential, including like wingspan and stuff, of a twenty foot brutal strike. That's oh, like yeah. a verbal. Ra- <laughs> that's a ranged verbal spell. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Not, you don't see those really big pulls very often. No. Um. Uh, I, I more along the lines of like like Al's nine footer. Right, that's probably what you're gonna run into more often than not. But that's still I'm seeing twelve footers here and there. Yeah, yeah. It's still yeah, a ranged kill at... almost, or ranged suppression that you yep. didn't actually have to target them for. You just had to hit them with a stick, which. Oh yeah, that wound trigger is wonderful. Yeah, yep. wound triggers are great. I I want to see more wound triggers and more. I don't know about more kill triggers. There's a, there's uh, uh, adrenaline. Um, the Blood and Thunder is also another one, and then Scavenge. Maybe we could use another Wound Trigger in there someplace, but I li- or Kill Trigger, but I like the Wound Trigger. Um, wound Trigger is fantastic. I want more of it. My other go-to, yeah, my other go-to uh, is Steel Life. And that one, if I don't have an opportunity to use it strategically, or uh, if there's a desperate situation going on, I, uh, in an ultimate anti-paladin move, saw the other team getting ready to surge forward and kill the polearm I was protecting. I was legged at the time, so it wasn't anything I could do about it, hmm. except that we had uh, a rather... I'm not going to name drop because this the person would be very wounded by my statement, but a worthless assassin hmm. was going to try to stop this charge. So I uh, backhacked my teammate, the assassin, and stole their life to get my legs back. <laughs> <laughs> the other team thought twice about charging once I was back on my feet. I don't yeah. see any problem with this. Well, you started killing them. I, I don't, so, I mean, yeah. I've definitely called, like, been, been that person, especially as a bard. I've got a million and a half part, like, per lives. Nobody, I don't need to stay alive for the most part. I have definitely been the person that I'm like, I've got a limb, someone 
take my limb and steal life me to you know keep going um oh yeah that's just brought a bag of throwies onto the field and was almost out <laughs> what are you going to do after that like what are you going to do about this team that's about to charge the pull arm that's the only one doing damage over here um well, still even get my legs back yeah and then they're going to not charge them and the cult pull arm is going to keep killing right it's I mean, it's one of those, like, uh, the ends justify the means decisions, but they totally work. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh for sure. And if the character of an anti-paladin, perfect. Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was proud of that one. I was hoping to get a paragon out of that. <laughs> Gah! Huh. Oh, shit, that worked. Yeah. Right? Turns out everyone involved was so salty. They're like, you know what? Screw you, Al. You don't <laughs> I'm not recommending you for anything. <laughs> well, that that should be its own paragon in your book. Like, that should be a moral paragon. We can give you the anti anti the anti paragon anti paladin for being right. Like, it's... I think that's the new that's the new level to strive for. Is the anti paragon <laughs> the hardest class to paragon in exactly because of that? Right. In order to generate the desire to recommend you for things, you're making people angry so they don't want to. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been yelled at at GAC for doing anti-paladin things. <laughs> oh. uh, eh, we've got to accept a certain amount of roleplay that's going to come from the anti-paladin, as long as it's not being detrimental to the park or the game. Nah. Well, like, it was absolutely uh, the opposite of detrimental, whatever the word is. Uh, it, it helped me team up considerably to, uh, to do my anti-paladin Right. So something we haven't hit on yet that I, I want to call quote unquote a hidden gem, um, and I know Audivar uses it. How do you guys use javelins as the anti-paladin, or is it just not worth it because you have a polar? I suck at throwing. The army they gave me a grenade launcher. So yeah, I, I use a polar. <laughs> I've never had a javelin go more than about four feet before it turns sideways. So. I... Uh. Honestly, I can swing further with a single-handed sword. And honestly, since I stopped using mine was well before I had my my knighthood, so I mean, I haven't ever touched a javelin as a anti-paladin mm-hmm. that I can recall. Yeah, I don't think because I, I I basically retired my good javelins. Mm-hmm. I, they they did fly, you know, decently, but they hit like a Mack truck, so. They only bruises, but they hit like a Mack truck, and people get a little scared so, of that. So, I think something I, cheeky Oddmar could do is fashion his down spear in such a way that it's also a javelin. Yeah, Jamie talked about that in Warrior or Barbarian, one of the two. Um, it was Warrior. It was a Warrior. Yeah, so you warrior use a down stick that's also a javelin, and then when they like back up, whatever, you just pop. Yeah, like that, I could see being like a, a fun little tactic to use i would say um make a pretty but, yeah that javelin <laughs> yeah <laughs> like be friendly yeah i mean i mean down stakes traditionally are not quite as uh flex they're not quite as flexible or as wiggly as a lot of um longer pole arms uh and javelins mostly are using really light spines or cores so if you make like a legitimate down stick that also counts as a javelin I think it's probably going to hit pretty well um uh, i mean 
there were a lot of people that would use my old javelins as a bounce stick. They were a bamboo core, mm-hmm. uh, lots of duct tape. I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> Once you said lots of duct tape, it was like, oh, yeah. Those things. Did they have fins but on they, them or no? No, no fins. No. They, they flew wonderfully. Absolutely wonderfully. He, he is not downplaying the hit like a Mack truck portion, though. <laughs> I mean, you got to feel it in that armor. Yep. Got the... You feel something. <laughs> um, so if we had better javelin tech, they'd be more of an option. But currently, because most people can't make good javelins, it just... Eh, eh. Yeah, uh, I'd yeah. say maybe for a flanker roll, if you're doing second line or... or... Yeah, I'd say if you're doing second line, trying to aid with a pole arm, I, I don't know, maybe, but I think you're going to do more damage with that pole arm in your hands all the time rather than kind of setting the pole arm down to the side to get the one shot off with the javelin over the line. Mm-hmm. It's well, kind of tough to say. One thing I hadn't considered. Maybe if we had atlatls. Uh, please, it's a joke. Don't kill me. <laughs> no atlatls. <laughs> What you one thing now? I can think of that I haven't thought of before is uh, preparing the ground with javelins. So rather than expecting to do damage with them, put something on the ground that the other team will have trouble maneuvering. Around. Oh, it's I don't like it because I have bad knees and I wouldn't want the other team to do that to me. Right. So I personally would not do that to the other team, but it is a tactic that is technically legal. So, which is of course the worst kind of legal. I was thinking of it from a different perspective because the frontliners, the people you think traditionally as frontliners, warriors, barbarians, paladins, anti-paladins, all can use javelins. If you bring a bunch of javelins to the field, one of them can pick it up and throw it. Um, if they've got that opportunity, that's a that's a potential. That's kind of like the same thing as uh, uh, Jamie talks about bringing 300 small throwies, light throwies, to a battle game. That was a militia fight. Everyone could use it and just throw them. If you bring a bunch of javelins to the front line, uh, any of those second second line players or anybody that gets that weapon heated could just grab a javelin and start going because you can still melee with the javelin. That's the, the biggest benefit of it over every other thrown weapon. You can block and stab with that javelin instead of having to just throw it and not be able to do anything else with it after. So, I might make a, well, I might make a bucket full of javelins and bring it to keep. We'll see. Uh, Arguments could be made that you'd be better off bringing a bag of sticks. That's also true. Uh, <laughs> I've seen... Who did it? Who? I think it was Just a Cars. One of their guys couldn't wear armor, so he just had a backpack of weapons, and anytime a weapon was heated or broken, they just dropped it, grabbed another one, and kept going. And I mean, that sounds like something we would do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it was either Keep or Spring War, one of the two. Um, yeah, it sounds like something you would do. You guys have done some of those those things in the past, and it's very interesting. Uh, all right, so we went over hidden ability or hidden uh, hidden gems and go to abilities. Uh, what are skills you want to focus on to get better, either inside or outside the game? Let's start with Magnus on this one. So skills that you one minute. I think I heard it right. Just one more time. Mm-hmm. Things uh, you want to work on to get better. Weaknesses you need to be aware of. Oh, oh no, no, the the skills. I highlighted the wrong one. Yeah. Skills are things you want to focus on to get better. Um, yeah, so some things I want to focus on to get better 
in general as a fighter is always target acquisition uh mm -hmm. always knowing when and where to do the right things um you know it's, it's a whole battlefield awareness thing and that's something that just comes in time with battle gaming um and i mean even outside of the game um you know, having more awareness of things that are going around you is something that is something to strive for, and it'll transfer over from battle gaming in AmpGuard to tournaments in AmpGuard to to pretty much anything that isn't just in battle gaming. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I really want to focus on more is just you know get a better knowledge of uh, about like those things that are kind of going on. Um, other than that. Um, I know for me, I always want to get better at um, properly enunciating. I think it's a thing that a lot of people um, you get into the you get into the battle and you try to say a spell or incantation, and then it just sounds like gibberish sometimes. And yeah. um, I've gotten better at that with like the assassin abilities, but there have been times where I have tried casting an awe. And it's just, I command the O, command the O, command the O. And it's like, what did you say? And I'm like, I, I command the O. Yeah, no, man, that was word soup. So, I mean, that's something that you can also practice outside of the game at home. It's, uh, uh, so that's, that's what I would want to practice on more. Um, I mean, they're small things, but they're things that, that will uh, help out a bit. Right. Being able to, to get your abilities off. Quickly and audibly, super important for especially casters. But I mean, you guys have some abilities that are ranged verbals. You got to get them off and exactly. say, and, and a lot of people understand what they're saying. Um, yeah, because if you say it in the word salad and a read hears you, like, yeah. well, one, you should recognize yourself that you're probably not saying something correctly. But uh, there's just a highly likelihood, a higher likelihood that if you're not saying an incantation correctly, or you know if a reeve 20 feet away can kind of tell what you're trying to get at, but you know that it was like, eh, kind of iffy, mm -hmm. uh, it might just get called as you didn't say it correctly. You mm -hmm. go off, that person was unaffected. And now that could have been a key point in part of the game where you really needed to get that awe off, where you really needed to, well, I mean, and stay down is pretty, <laughs> pretty easy <laughs> one to say. But, I mean, like, you know, uh, if you're doing a, if you do have an undead mini and you're doing your rise and fight again and you say rise and fight again, rise and fight again, you know, you, you get the first few good, but then you kind of mumble off the rest. Uh, you might just have to do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Like drop and give me 10 and you did your eighth one wrong. Guess what? Hey, you, you have to do it all <laughs> over again. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> it, uh, that's how it is. Getting good at incantations and uh, I'm going to call it, Mouthling, like mouth, uh, wow, gymnastics. There we go. Uh, getting good at tongue twisters and things like that really help get your casting crisp and allows you to make good effects of your abilities. Um, yeah. Aurelius, what are some things you want to focus on to get better in or out of the game? Oh, yeah. I would rather. Take them both at the same time. So uh, <laughs> out of the game, uh, for me, it's going to be uh, communicate, communicate, communicate. Learn mm -hmm. to communicate, or end the game, excuse me. Uh, communicate with your healers. Uh, let them know when you've got your sweet enchantments, when you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, 
communicate with your uh, artillery players or your DPS players. Make sure your archers know who to target. Make sure your uh, casters know who to target. Uh, talk to your tanks. Make sure they know when to be or where to be, when to be there, when to move forward, when to drop or fade backwards. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a white belt. People are going to listen. Use that. Uh, the other end of it is uh, you've got a white belt, so you're probably one of the better fighters uh, on your team. Even if you're not a good tournament fighter, you've still been battle gaming longer than most, so you're probably better at it than most. So it's okay to be a little selfish in your strategy development because you're going to be a focus whether you should be or not. Right. Uh, the white belt works both ways. Your team will listen to you. The other team will target you. Mm -hmm. Uh, communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, Charlie already talked about incantations. Uh, for me, the big one is learning the charge incantation. Uh, I have horrible trouble with that. <laughs> I don't personally use Undead Minion because Rise and Fight Again 10 times is too long for me to be out of the fight. Mm. And by the time somebody, I got that done, after when there's a lull, they, it would have been faster to have them rest. Mm. Oftentimes, it's faster to have them take the walk and come back than it is for me to do that. Right. So, I, so for me personally, in the way I play anti-paladin, it is detrimental if, I, if it's a competitive game or a big game. Right. Uh, we'll touch on how I use Undead Minion a little later. <laughs> um, armor maintenance is crucial. If you don't have armor on, you're playing it. Whether you're playing at Flurb or Polchad, you're, you should be wearing armor. Mm -hmm. So much of the class is balanced around it, so make sure your armor is functional and in good shape. Uh, the last thing you need to learn is the stick jack. It's a stick jack class, so learn to stick jack. Mm -hmm. Can play it without the stick jack abilities, but it's built so much around martial abilities. Most of the stuff you've got either requires a dead body or it's a kill trigger, or it's making killing people easy. Yeah. So it, the, the better a stick jock you are, the better a job you're going to Hmm. I mean, that can be said for. Well, I. Be said for a lot of the classes that well, are melee like classes, but not. Yeah, but not all of them, because there are, um, like monk and scout don't necessarily get exponentially better. With stick skill, they get better, no doubt, but their abilities don't rely on killing nearly as much. And they don't benefit from getting a body as nearly as much. Like the Barbarian, the Warrior, and the Anti-Paladin do. Because Brutal Strike, Steel Life, yeah, Scavenge. Yeah. Um, it's a good... I, had, I hadn't thought about the fact that like certain classes definitely need that stick scale so much more than other ones. I just kind of all went, like, get better at stick scale. You'll be way better anyways. But other ones do take care oh, yeah. of it. Um, Barbarian and Warrior are even more critical to be good at stick skill than Anti-Paladin. Mm -hmm. A lot of Anti-Paladin just needs a dead body. Mm -hmm. Almost all of Warrior and Barbarian require it's a kill trigger, so you must yeah. be the one to, switch, to strike the killing blow. Right. And same with uh, well, Brutal, a Brutal Strike we already beat to death, I think. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's a wound <laughs> trigger, which means you must infl inflict the wound. So right. you have to be good enough at the game to inflict that. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Oddvar, skills you want to get better and focus on? Um, well, you know, I said I was going to touch on it earlier. When I started to play Sword and Downstick, I got killed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's you got to realize it's going to take time to get good at something. You got to yeah. get through the bad to get to the good. 
so you need to make sure you can focus on not beating yourself up for uh, especially with with me I didn't pick up that downstick until a couple of years ago so I had already been in the game for almost 10 years and like, I like well I could do a lot better with you know sword and board or, or something else but you know you got to be able to stick to it and and go through the bad grind so you can be on the good good side of things right I mean that's the same with everyone picking up that second stick for flow Everyone yep. starts really wonky in flow. <laughs> it's a it's a different mentality. It's a different set of skills. It especially with downstick, it's a it's almost a completely different mindset because you're switching the direction of your weapon. You're now having uh, how long is your down? Is it a five footer or a four footer? Mine's it's a like, five footer. Okay, you have almost a like large shield worth of defendable area on that side, but you also have a five foot reach. It's a. It's definitely a style that's being more and more popular. And I know um, um, Beefy from uh, Winter's Edge calls it Slim Jim, and it's really pretty sure. popular down there. Uh, it works, but yeah, it's, and it, it's it's a hell of a lot of fun to play with. Um, and it, it's the way I was taught. It's a bit different because. You're you're generally used to putting your primary weapon in your primary hand, mm-hmm. and with with going with the sword and down downstick, you're keeping. Well, me personally, I keep my sword in my right hand, which is my dominant hand, and I keep my downstick in my left, so I can get hit that pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. You, you typically would want to put the one with more control in your more dominant hand, uh, but it's that's that's you know just the way i was taught and there's there's differences for different people i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into semantics about that that's not what this (laughs) class is um uh are there any weaknesses we need to be aware of as anti-paladin i know we hit on it a little bit before um but really to, to smack the nail on the head what are some weaknesses we need to be aware of let's start with uh aurelius on this one so the obvious one's death magic because there's no immunity there, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the death magic stuff is some of the most effective disables out there, like terror and wounding, which mm-hmm. we already talked about. Uh, subdual is the really painful. Uh, the disables from subdual are absolutely brutal. Uh, if you've got a, if you get wounded, uh, swift heal picks you back up almost immediately, and you've got the white belt, so the healers are looking at you, especially if you've got. Uh, if you get uh, terror releases will fix that as well. Again, the healers are probably looking at you. Uh, and you're not dead, so you can call for them too. So, uh, right. But the subduals are just brutal. There's effectively a double death count, mm-hmm. especially the other Most oh, yeah. death counts are 30 seconds or the number of people, depending on the size of the game. And ice ball is a full minute. Mm-hmm. And especially if you, the anti-paladin pressure unit, got to disabled by an ice ball your line's probably stepping back so healer's not coming for you. yeah and i mean with the uh with the fact that ice ball is engulfing you've got that pole arm out there potentially that's a target they're gonna want to hit that pole arm i mean you can keep it moving but it, it's, it's a, so much worse than carrying shield yeah yeah it is oh, right it's of course it is 
it's a giant target that's not easily able to move around. But I know, especially when we get into those keep battles where you're in that gate, spell balls are going to all of those pole arms that are sitting there because they're trying to break them, they're trying to freeze the person, they're trying to engulf the person with uh, entangle or anything like that. They're trying to get that target gone. And unfortunately, if people aren't moving their pole arms enough, that's a static target that people can just chuck a ball at. I think we might have talked about this one already, speaking of ice, uh, back during the, the Warrior class. Mm-hmm. But back in Keep, I want to say it was 2016 or 2017. It was shortly before I got knifed in. Um, Sol Invictus was uh, handling two of the three, or of the four gates when we were doing the side-by-side castles and the mm-hmm. hay bales outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the, the defender's leftmost side, and there were four of us total defending that whole side. And we held for the entire game. We were the only gate that held the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing Monk and doing the dance over top of the hay bales with the Justicar pole. Had a blast. <laughs> we had a warrior hunkered down right by the hay bales who, any time somebody would try to rush the gate, he would just, he was lefty, so he'd just throw rap shots around the hay bales. <laughs> we had somebody, I think it was a healer who had an ice ball who would wait for a fat guy in a bunch of heavy armor to step into the gate. And would ice ball as soon as the count was almost up another ice ball and we kept a fat guy in armor in that gate the entire game our fourth person was a monk who was keeping uh projectiles off of our healer and that was the four of us and the four of us held the whole time yeah anytime somebody else would show up we'd send it back one of the other gates because we didn't need him i could since only poles could fight over the the hay bales and pretty solid pole fighter. I was holding off the Justicar poles just fine. Mm-hmm. Especially with the help of the healers. They were all playing Warrior and I wasn't. <laughs> I had three poles, so if one got heated, I just picked up another. And uh, yeah, we just kept somebody with ice balled in the gate so nobody could come in. It's, uh, it's a good tactic. It is. <laughs> They've changed the rules, uh, or they clarified the rules technically, so that ice ball can't stack on top of ice ball. Because you can't hit a frozen... Uh, it has to state it hits a frozen player or is targetable of a frozen player. Otherwise, you can't do it again. Because frozen oh, really? states... Are... You just wait it out, though. Yeah, right. As soon as that... Yeah, as soon as that timer's up, just chuck it again. So they're just like... I mean, you got it charged. You're waiting there. And then they're like, I'm frozen! <laughs> frozen! Yep. Great. That is exactly what we did. Yeah. It, uh... It does work with stun, which is hysterical to me, because an abeyance ball from a healer goes through armor, you hit him with the abeyance, yep. and then you can just keep throwing the abeyance at that person without waiting, and they keep resetting the timer. And it's really stupid. Um, it sucks. The downside <laughs> to that is uh, our warrior on the ground would have killed that or the, the person that we'd hit with the abeyance, and they would have had to walk. Right. So it, it you know... The gate's open. The ice ball, he can't screw up. Nope, they're done. He could hit that frozen player all he wants because he couldn't see anything. He didn't know what was going on. He just knew there are feet in the doorway. Time to start swinging. Time to swing it. I mean, and that's another and failure on the opponent's. Player, he kill. Yeah, the that's a failure on the other on the opponent's like tactics. They they should have seen there's a frozen player in the door. That's stopping us. Shatter him. Get him out of there. Stop playing around. Get him out of the way. Which is why we picked a fat guy because he didn't want to walk. So he was uh, very reluctant to deal with any of that. Uh, that's why you make the wizard cast shatter on him, and the wizard says, "Take a walk." Yep. Or you, <laughs> get a, you get a healer to res him because shatter doesn't get rid of any of their armor; it just straight up kills him. 
they absolutely could have done that because uh, I only had a nine foot pole or no eight footers at that point. Yeah, because couldn't step forward because there were hay bales in the way. So I, I could keep the wizards back, but not gone. Right. They absolutely it's, could have done that. Knowing the tactics and abilities to get around that. All right. Um, uh, we're on weaknesses. Uh, Magnus, weaknesses. Yeah, I think I think a weakness that that happens with with Anti-Paladin and, you know, a few of the other kind of skirmisher classes as well is, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, the right way, right way to kind of word it, but is, uh, I notice I catch myself out a little too much sometimes. I mean, that's mm-hmm. maybe a tactics thing as well. You overextend um, but, yourself. Yeah, like, be careful of overextending from your team. And uh, I, as Alan kind of said in this already, uh your worst nightmares are the people that know what you are not immune to because they will be upset a lot. Um, finger of death happened a lot to me. Um, lots of death magic in general happens a lot to me when I play anti-paladin. I mean, and it should because that's, <laughs> that's one of those things that you're not immune to and it's a quick way to take care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have that happen to you. Um, and then also if you are running around and you do have enchantments, that that druid, you, you need to avoid them. Be aware of druids. Stay away from druids. Uh, they can make your life kind of a living hell at times. I mean, um, they've got ice balls. I mean, if you see the target, then go for it. But mm-hmm. What was that? Sorry. I mean, they've got, they've got the ice balls. They've got the D-mags. They've got a lot of the things that exactly. you don't want to deal with as an anti-paladin. Especially if you're relying on yeah. enchantments. It's, yeah, they uh, just kind of shut you down a bit. Mm-hmm. It's no bueno. <laughs> uh, Avar, any weaknesses you want to be aware of? Um, I mean, these two really touch on most of them. There's not much I can add. More on a, a flippy aspect. Don't uh, don't get too drawn into um, playing the anti-paladin versus paladin battle mm-hmm. because. Uh, your chances are you're going to lose sight of what's actually going on and lose that battlefield awareness. And mm-hmm. me, I made that mistake early on and will never make that mistake again. So you went after... Yeah, the means, right? If the means are good, then that's fine. <laughs> he was being all good and hero-like and it just made me sick, so I wanted to stop it. <laughs> so you went and hunted down a paladin... Yeah, anti-paladin is lawful evil. If the ends justify the means, then well, it doesn't matter if the means are good aligned; that they're justified. Uh, the ends were yeah. you desired. True, true. That role play line comes in there. Um, I do like the idea of just hunting down a paladin. Oh, your brutal strike goes through their pro mag. Ooh, yeah. Yes, it does. Is your poison <laughs> also extraordinary? I don't believe so. Uh, your poison is extraordinary. So that goes oh. through that pro mag as well. Oh, wait. No, never mind. I'm sorry. They have pro death. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they have pro death. Extraordinary defeats pro death, I thought. No, it's a school, not a magic. It beats pro mag because pro mag specifically says they're immune from school uh, from magics from all schools. Immunities say death, school, not death magic, um, which is a, a weird little thing. Like, uh, if you look at 
void touched. It specifically says the wielder, the the person wearing the enchantment, is immune to magic from spirit, spirit, death, and sorcery, um, which means scout's tracking goes through it because it's extraordinary. It's a, uh, it's one of those things that I think is overly confusing in our game, and we should probably fix. But we'll see how that changes. Uh, so now to the question that is vitally important and also super hard with the role play of the anti-paladin um how do we get better and continue playing anti-paladin without ruining people's fun uh including our own fun that's that's another aspect of it um so let's start with Ivar on this one what are what what do you do to not ruin people's day at park uh at park that's that's where you're gonna try different things um or maybe work work on your flurb or you know it's super important not to ruin a park day because park days are going to get people to kingdom days Mm -hmm. and always 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 the equation is more foam equals more fun so the more people you can keep on the field or get coming you 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 gotta you gotta do what you have to especially in positions like ours currently um to keep people on the field keep boots on the ground Hmm. um so that yeah that's definitely the the times i'm going to test out things that i wouldn't normally do uh to see what works and what doesn't what i'm going to bring to kingdom and try to really run with so uh moving moving away from like the hardcore going hard and going ham to practice and trial yeah yeah okay uh it's it's a I think everyone should do that at park. Park is the time to practice. It's not the time to stunt on all your friends. Like mm-hmm. stunt on them once or twice. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you got to show them you didn't lose it. Right. You got to show them that you're still good at this, but you don't have to stunt on them every single time. Yeah. Not every battle game. Not every minute. Not every day. Right. Um, Al, what are some things you uh, do to get better or continue playing anti-paladin without ruining people's day? Uh, a lot of what I've already said. Uh, Basically, I'll focus on use of abilities rather than rather than stick jacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a general rule, I don't use a pole arm at park days because it ruins everybody else's day. If anybody else wants to bring a pole arm out, great. I have to fight around that. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned to use to play anti paladin with a shield. Uh, I'll also often take off the armor, so now I'm basically handicapping myself without or by not using that extra durability. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll do sometimes is switch roles. So I talked earlier about the uh, stick jock pole chat anti-paladin versus the flurby anti-paladin. Right. Focus on generating undead minions and keeping them up and uh, keeping stuff off of our uh, squishy plate rather than on being the pressure of the DPS. Right. So that basically push other people to be the hero rather than being the focus of the fight yourself. I mean, Undead Minion is a great enchantment for that. It lets the new players especially run out there, get beat, come back, go for it again. And there's really no penalty, no detriment to them. Yeah, one of the most fun times I had as an anti-paladin was uh, <laughs> at his, I believe it was, yes, uh, either Ever Autumn Valley or Scholar Stronghold. Mm-hmm. Both of them are college parks, so they have very young, very new players. Uh, most of them have under two years of experience. Right. So Took off my armor, picked up sword and board, and I stayed well out of range of any of their players and just kept my undead minions going. <laughs> I picked their two most or the two most athletic 
new players on my team didn't even have garb and just threw undead minions on them. It's like, all right, go go hit them. If you hit them once before dying, you did your job. Great. Then come back. It's... And uh, they had a blast. I had a blast. It was. I put forth almost no effort. We won because of those two people. And that's part of the the best part of making somebody else feel like a hero sometimes. Right. It's, it was fantastic. So I, I enjoyed that. Uh, it also made the park day a lot more fun. Uh, my current home park, Mere Terennial, is uh, full of stick jacks. So I'm yes, it a is. lot less afraid of stunting there. Uh, I got to get down to one of your tournaments. Those got to be great. <laughs> What's that? I got to get down to one of your tournaments. Those got to be great. Like, legitimately decent, con- like, good contests. And I'm going to get my ass kicked. I know it. But it's going to be fun. You might be surprised. Uh, typically, either me or Peter runs it because uh, there's no reason for us to stuff a, a Shire turn. No, but even so, like your average stick level, because you guys, there are two people that are very talented, are there helping everybody get better. It's We've seen it time and time again. When a warlord is willing to help their park, their park steps up and gets good. Um, That's absolutely uh, We do have several very good fighters in the park besides the two of us that hmm. If they chose to fight in the tournament circuit, they would be very dangerous to all of Polaris. Right. And that's that's something that we I want to see more of, and I want to see more Warlords because of that, kind of. I want to see more people able to exude that confidence of, like, I know what I'm doing, I'm going to help people know what they, learn what they're doing, and then we'll create a better stick... I don't want to say stick jock, but, like, better stick culture in general, so that more people are uh, able to fight at a higher level. Yeah, um, Absolutely. I also am not afraid to wear my armor at Mere Terrenial, so what I'll do there is uh, practice accounting for hits on armor. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I, I got good at that back in V7, I don't remember if it was 7.0 or 7.5. Mm-hmm. Ancient history by now. <laughs> but that's <laughs> never practice enough. As, as everyone in this chat besides me started in V7 or V6, uh, yeah, I'm the only baby. <laughs> Um, yeah, a bunch of the old men here. But, no, yeah, I I'll mean... Practice, I'll practice the armor. <laughs> what is the seven you speak of? This is seven. No, so, I, I don't know. Being Michael Squire, I've gotten to listen to a lot of stories about uh, old times, and ancient history to me now is called V4 when it wasn't written down very well. <laughs> I tried to read some of those old rule books, and I'm, I'm glad I started when I did. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm happy about that. About that. <laughs> um, I lost track. Who hasn't answered the... Hot, Magnus, I think uh, I mean, one Mag- has done it. Magnus. Yeah, so I think, you know, we can apply how to be, you know, like you're somebody going for a parry on anti-paladin and park, how can you do it to not, you know, upset players at your park? You could even bring that down to, if you're going for paragon at your park, I mean, if mm-hmm. you're going for paragon, how do you, you know, not ruin everybody's stay? And I think a big thing is, is that we have these goals of Paragon, which a lot of it does rely on being really good at what you do, being mm-hmm. a very good fighter, being solid on the battlefield. That's, you know, I would say, at least for Polaris, that's a lot of what we base Paragon around is yes. how good are you at fighting on the battlefield. And sometimes that'll breed some competition or, you know, some some attitude. I wouldn't say attitude, really. That's also the wrong kind of word. But it'll breed an ideology of I must be doing 100% at all times or otherwise you know, my odds of getting Paragon are, are lessened or weakened. But, mm-hmm. in fact, by having that mentality, you're weakening your chances of it because one of the biggest parts is you still need to have 
you, you need to be approachable. You need to be able to teach people. You need to be able to to be there for your team. Mm-hmm. I mean, not team, but, you know, for your park, your kingdom, your, your everything. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like finding that healthy balance of still being able to be good, still being able to fight well, still being able to to kick ass at what you do, and also still being the person who you know, it's the go-to person of like, hey, this person's really great at what they do. You need to talk to them if you want to get good at anti-paladin. Right. Um, I think a lot of that, especially like for the role pay portion of it, um, you know, when when I've done role play, which I admit we don't do a whole lot of it in players, I hope that changes. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I will change my voice to fit the role. Um, sometimes like when I've done anti-paladin, I put on more of like a, you know, I do my best. It's still bad, but like, you know, Batman impression talk a little bit like this. It sounds rougher around the edges. Like, you stay down. Like, just that little bit alone kind of tells the player that they're not dealing with Charlie or Magnus. They're dealing with Magnus the Anti-Paladin, who's obviously role-playing this character with these, you know, different sets of morals than they do. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, that can make some things that normally that would upset people be like, oh, I know he's role-playing. Because I think sometimes when it comes to, like, a role-playing point and, you know, trying to be, like, that that evil character, people will sometimes get caught up in that. And mm-hmm. I think that can really help as well. Just a simple change of tone and voice. Um, another suggestion that I've seen that I haven't tried yet personally is if your class that's wearing armor and you still want to get used to running around in your suit of armor, but you worry about wearing it at park because, you know, you might have a park that doesn't have a whole lot of armor or when you notice that when you do have armor, yeah. you, you, you own the battlefield. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing that says that you have to take the full point value of what your armor's worth, especially if you announce it. So like if I have a four point suit of armor and I know that, I'm doing really well. I could announce to the people in the battle game, hey, this is counting as two. This is only going to count as two. Um, and, you know, you're still getting used to walking around, moving, and functioning mm-hmm. in your four-point suit. But then you are kind of, as I said, like you're taking on the points of armor and not wearing armor in some cases. And you are nerfing yourself that way to give yourself more of a challenge and also give more people a chance. Right. Um so I think those are kind of the ways that you can go about doing it well and have people know, like, hey, this person is, you know, at their 100%. I know what they're like when they're at 100%. I know what they're like when they, you know, bust out, you know, pull all the stops and just go. Mm. And they're a force to be reckoned with. But you don't need to go 100% all the time, especially now that you're part. Right. It's practice. It's fun. It's growth. Yeah. So we need to get people exactly. on the field to do that instead of, you know, ruining someone's day, try to make it. Um, yeah. All right. So now well, so get... that applies to all periods. Right. <laughs> and then that's one of the it's one of the questions that I ask at the end of every episode. I think it's vitally important that as paragons and people getting better, it doesn't matter how you're getting better. If you're getting better for stick scale, you're getting better for paragon. Um, even if you want to take it to ANS. How do you get better and not ruin people's day is a and, and their fun and their time in the game is a vitally important question for our growth as a game. If we have a bunch of assholes on the field, we're not gonna have a bunch of people that want to stay. Um it's gonna yeah. hurt our game. Um so we've gotten through all the like technical question things. Everything else from here on out is opinion. So uh because this is a night class, 
how do you guys feel about opening it up to non-knights? Uh, let's start with uh, Al on this one. Personally, I don't like opening up the knight classes, uh, and it's a very selfish reason. <laughs> I hate wearing sashes. So uh, <laughs> don't open them up, because then I would have to wear a sash. Uh, okay. The less selfish portion of it is uh, it gives people something to work toward. The, the most or compelling argument I've heard yet is that a lot of new people show up, and uh, they want to roleplay a paladin, so they want to play paladin. Uh, well, my opinion on that one is let's just rename the classes. Call Paladin Crusader and uh, call Warrior Paladin. Right. Let's just rename it a little bit. Keep the two locked classes. Don't shift. Uh, excuse me. Uh, don't shift any of the abilities around. Just call Warriors Paladins, and then we quit worrying about people getting confused by Paragon Warriors versus Warlord. Right. Or Orders of the Warrior in the class war. Right. That was confusing as all get out to me when I first started. <laughs> If you just call them paladins, it'd be over. It'd be yeah. done. And then give the knight or call the knight class crusader. So you're you're more against the idea of wearing a sash than you are against uh letting other people play play the class that you like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, as long as I don't have to wear a sash when I'm playing anti paladin or paladin, whatever. I I like the idea of keeping that respect. Or knights. If you get to knighthood, you don't have to wear a sash. You can wear the belt flag or have it emblazoned on whatever you want. Um, I think that's a good homage without restrictions of the classes. Alternatively, keep paladin and anti paladin in particular locked mm -hmm. and add crusader and marauder to the core rules. Yeah. Allowing people to play the class and role play in this thing. Without them having to spend, you know, seven plus years in our game, getting a knighthood, or swap the names however you want to do it. Just yeah, let me play this ability set without wearing a. Ivar, <laughs> what's your take? Um, personally, I'm at the point right now where I, I don't really care. I mm -hmm. just want to, I just want to hit nerds with sticks. Um, <laughs> so I want to get back on the field. And obviously I want it to, I want to do it when it's all safe and everything like that. It's just, mm -hmm. um, with summer rolling around, this is really the time I like to get outside and, and mm -hmm. play amp guard. You know, I, we've been over, over a year now and mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of people or swung stick with a lot of people that I, I'd love to see. So the whole argument to me right now is I, I, I could care less if they opened it up mm -hmm. or, or, you know, um, I do, however, agree with Al. I like this whole not having to wear a sash thing. Uh, <laughs> so I'd love that caveat in there, but, uh, other than that, yeah, I, I don't, I, I would say in a more selfish reason, it makes a job of, um, being on the, the COK, a little bit easier because you're going to see a lot of those people that were just playing or going for for a knighthood to be able to play these classes drop out of trying to be a knight because now they can play the class why why are they trying to go for it oh yeah, yeah i knight. gotcha so uh i guess that would make a, a different job more easier mm. or more easy to do um 
but that's again that's completely selfish that's you know it's it's not you know i'm really just going to ham up this anti-paladin thing i'm just going to be selfish <laughs> all over <laughs> it works In fairness, renaming the warrior class also accomplishes yep yeah um magnus what's your take so my take on it is to open it up um Especially in, in competitive style games, uh, I'll, I'll use Phoenix League as an example since that's like the competitive battle gaming tournament system that we currently have. Yep. Uh, you know, it was discovered that Paladin is actually pretty ridiculously good in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you need to have a knight in order to play it until they actually just said, all right, we're going to make two classes for Phoenix League to allow anyone to play it. Yep. Um, personally, you know, as a knight, we we already get kind of, you know, a lot of cool little things already. Like you, you get Unadorn Chain, you get the White Belt, you get the Phoenixes, you get you get your spurs, you get you know, there's a whole lot of pieces of garb and cool things from that already that we already get that we're already like it's part of the tradition and what we're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really see a point beyond, you know, a RP sense as to block out classes for people mm-hmm. and say, hey, if you want to play this class in a game, you have to do X, Y, Z in order to do it or achieve it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think a lot of the reasons why I, I hope people go for knighthood is because they they want to contribute to the game. Yeah. I don't want to see people saying, I'm doing this just to get Paladin and anti-paladin, and pushing themselves through you know whatever hurdles they need to to get a knighthood just so that they can play a game. If that's not what they really want to do, right? Um, Because like I've heard some individuals that you know that is their reasoning for wanting knighthood because they really want to play paladin or anti-paladin to the point where they're like, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for this knighthood and. You know, if that gets some people to try something, sure, that's really cool. But, I mean, in some cases, you know, the person ends up not, you know, not reaching those goals, not reaching those achievements, and they just burn themselves out on the game. And then they're playing, you know, every class battle, they're probably just like, oh, I wish I could be playing this, or I wish I could be playing that. And I just don't, I think it's an outdated thing, really, that Mm -hmm. I wish, I really wish that we would change and open up for all. Um, I don't see much bad coming from it. I only really see good coming from it. Well, we'll see uh, votes coming up, something like that. We'll see what happens. Um, I know last time it failed by one vote, um, literally just one. And a lot of it was semantics about either calling the classes anti-paladin and paladin or changing their names. And people couldn't agree on that. And then there was some weird other political things going on with it. So we'll see what happens in the future. Um, But for now, Paladin and Anti-Paladin are night classes. So we've gotten to audience questions. We do have an audience member. If they would like to ask any questions, they can feel free to... uh, Should be unmuted. And they can ask us any questions they'd like. Otherwise, we'll move on to constructive spicy takes. No. All right. Al, you mentioned you had constructive spiky t- spicy takes. I sure do. Uh, my 
Anthony Paladin is the second most underpowered class in the game just after And they're only slightly stronger than Scout is. Yeah. Uh, your ability burns out really quickly. Uh, most of it's one per life, if not one per refresh or two per refresh. Only one of them is chargeable. Yep. And uh, your uh, capstone ability is incompetent, or not incompetent, incompatible with the playstyle of the rest of your abilities. If you are a pull dead, you don't have time to bring an undead minion. Mm -hmm. Fact that your sixth level ability, which warrior gets uh, uh, ancestral armor at sixth level, that's pretty solid. Uh, looking at the casting classes, the sixth level spells are incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. If you look at undead minion, it's for uh, I believe healers get it at what third level, fourth level, third. Yeah, so it's another class is third level. But... And uh, it's not even compatible with the rest because it's a it's a rear line ability, not a, a first or second line. Uh, that said, anti paladin has the most synergy with or with enchantments out of any class there. Uh, your innate uh, or immunities make you immune to some of the most annoying spells in the game, mm -hmm. like hold person uh, and heat weapon. You also have. If you stack that with an imbued shield, you're suddenly immune to uh, the most annoying ball spells that are not taken care of with your flame immunity. So Ooh, the ice balls and the entangles. Mm -hmm. What's that? The ice balls and the entangles, the the ones that really stop you, that harden or that uh, that imbued shield, dude. just gone. Oh yeah. So for extremely long games, uh, like if anybody here remembers what Notlanders were. Yep. Uh, so for those who don't, or for those who are, uh, Noblanders ended a while ago. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a good game. It was a good event. It was a fantastic event. It's some of the most fun I've ever had in anything. Uh, it's 18 hours of nonstop full immersion. Uh, for a Noblander-style game or something of shorter but similar length, Imbued Shield cannot be beat. Uh, it means you have that piece of equipment that is suddenly not a liability, and a guaranteed weapon for the entire game. Mm -hmm. And it's the easiest thing in the world to make persistent, because for healers, persistent is per life. Yeah, it's... So if you need it back, just let one of your healers down. That can get you another imbued shield. Right. So that right there is huge. Uh, and then the big uh, giant elephant in the room is Void Touch. Mm -hmm. A Void Touched Anti-Paladin is immune to all verbal spells, and uh, they're immune to all spell or ball spells except for abeyance, ice ball, and uh, uh, entangle, mm -hmm. and suppression bolt, technically. Yeah, which oh shucks. Yeah, <laughs> I got four points of armor and a stick. Ha! It's like okay, I, I, I was gonna hit you with the stick anyway, so <laughs> glad I'm suppressed while I'm doing it. And with that unlimited steel life, it is the next best thing to a pro mag. And you can heal yourself through it. All you need mm -hmm. is dead bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can convince a druid to hang out with you, or to, to and a healer and a wizard all to uh, burn a bunch of abilities, you can make yourself effectively pro mag with a self heal by uh, getting that persistent imbued shield, throwing in a tuned on, and then persistent void touch. And now you're an unstoppable killing machine. That is a D mag threat if I've ever seen. Like that yep, is the which one. Which is why. <laughs> 
which is why you steer clear of treats. <laughs> I mean, you can also go and get a bard. The bard gives you a slide of mine. That's one free D-mag. But uh, that's still... That, that's a heavy target for D-mag. It's hard to miss that one. The most fun time I've ever had with that build was... Uh, if you remember the, the keep game where it was all barbarians on one team. Yep. I, uh, I rocked that build the entire time. <coughs> it was absolutely brutal. I would. I mean, it was all, but oh, it was. It was. It was a weird ratio. It was like all barbarians except a one to ten or one to twenty ratio with a druid and a healer. And I saw zero druids and zero healers. Like I For know. Some, when I know I, not a lot. Saw no sashes. Yeah. The sash-free barbarian play. <laughs> zero sashes. I grabbed every wizard and anti-paladin on our team. It was like. All right, look, guys, here's what we're doing. It's going to be called Anti-Paladin Death Squad. God. They don't have any spells. Yeah. And they're they're make it, this happen and, just slap everybody we, upside the head, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we were completely immune to the fight after death because Void Touch gives you Shadow Stick. Yep. And then you just have to find that dead body and steal life it, and then you recharge your Shadow Stick. It's just ridiculous. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's so broken. Like, the, the, the Barbarians would come in, and we'd... And, of course, we were the ones responding to the teleporting barbarians. Because mm -hmm. we told the rest of the team what was happening. It was like, all right, look, guys, barbarian teleports, find the nearest anti-paladin, and we'll follow them. Yep. And we just shut them down over and over and over. It works. It was just brutal. Mm -hmm. Even after the gates were broken and we were fighting gate fights, we all just respawned on the tree and kept skirmishing with them. Feeling their, like we were immune to their cast, or to what little casting they had. Yeah. It's a, it's a. I guess it just one or two healers, but none of them took D Mag. While taking teleports, it was really. I don't know. It was a bad battle game, in my opinion, like design wise. But people had a lot I of fun it. with it. So I had a lot of fun with it. Um, Me and the other four anti paladins, we. Uh, I think we did about as much, about half as much damage as the rest of the team put together. <laughs> uh, do we have any other constructive spicy takes? It was just. Yeah. I mean the yeah the I mean well you've got that steel life you've got unlimited steel life so you can if you're not wounded just recharge that poison pop that poison on get another kill oh, re pop it poison somebody and get your unlimited yeah God. I got a, well Al pretty much took most of the spicy take I had <laughs> of uh, uh, the class as a whole without help from other classes is a bit underpowered and underwhelming really. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really have its own capstone. If you look at at all of the other uh, like melee classes out there, mm -hmm. they all have that thing that makes them special, cool, awesome, something that another right. class does not have. You've got warriors with ancestral. Assassins have unlimited assassinates mm -hmm. um, and a lot of uh, insubstantial abilities. You have uh, evolution on, on scouts. You, you have uh, Fight After Death for Barbarians, along with the myriad of other things that Barbarians get. Uh, and then you look at, at Anti-Paladin, and it is this weird, like, it is this weird, like, kind of just mess of abilities that come from other classes that get combined into a melee class to make it. They have nothing that is really truly theirs that they can say, yes, this is a cool thing that I get as an Anti-Paladin. 
You guys don't have any unique abilities, if I, if no. I remember correctly. There's not a single unique ability. All of them are ones from other classes. And that's what really kind of rubs me the wrong way with with uh, Assassin. Yeah, Assassin, wow. Uh, with uh, Anti-Paladin is that they don't get anything neat. They don't get anything cool. They get they get what they get, with the exception of, like, the immunities that are granted at first level, which also, you know, I kind of mentioned it a little bit before, too. Uh, um, Anti-Paladin seems to get, like, a little underwhelming as you level up, because instead of getting all these, like, you know, progressively cooler abilities or, you know, things that get more and more interesting as it goes along and builds on the fact that you have those immunities, you right. instead just get... All right, at this level, you get awe. At this level, you get poison. At this level, you get brutal strike. At this mm. level, steal. Like, you just get all these things that none of them seem as cool as the immunities that are granted. You don't get anything, like I said, that's unique. And I think, like, I think Paladin and Anti, especially Anti Paladin at least, needs a rework of some sort. It mm. needs something done to it to actually make it feel like it has its own identity. Um, so that's, that's kind of my take on the whole thing, is that I wish that there was something that set it aside from not just being a mix of all these other classes. Makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 one of the... I think it's it and... Oh, Scouts haven't got evolution. I mean, so I think it's the only class that has no unique abilities. Because nope. even Bard, even the Casters have their own unique abilities. Uh... Paladin has extend immunities, and then everyone else has an ability that is specific to them, but anti-paladin does not. Yeah, and your capstone, as stated earlier, your capstone is a third level ability that healers do. Yes. And healers can do it faster, better, and more. Yep. Right. Yeah, because they can get, they can purchase more uh, of them, and then have a bunch of plus the necromancer on top of that. Yeah. Um, any other constructive spicy takes? No? Rework. Rework? rework. Want I, some I, flavor? Well, I, I heard a, a rumor. Um, I got ears all over. Uh, <laughs> that there was a possible six-level switch out um, to from Undead Minion to Vampirism, I believe it was. Ooh. Oh, I like that. It gives them uh, adrenaline. Unlimited, right? Mm -hmm. I believe so. Uh, it, it gives you a couple of things. Immunity to death command, uh, adrenaline unlimited, and first? Just a guess. Uh, no immunity to command. Okay, so you get death, cursed, um, and then you get unlimited adrenaline. You'd still have your immunity to command from your right. other... Is, but... is it a self? Is it a others only, or is it a touch? Because if well, because the if you could enchant yourself as an anti paladin with vampirism, that'd be pretty slick. Yeah, I I didn't get all the details. I just heard that that was some of the discussion going on. And to me, I was like, well, if I was along the same same lines as Al, I was like, well, if I can do it to myself, because that's my favorite person, and I. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. I absolutely love it. Oh my um, god! And that would be a lot better. That would be a lot better sixth level. Like 
right now a six level for an anti-paleon is extremely anticlimactic. Yeah. It's okay, cool. I got I got that. No. I mean it's kinda like scout. Become useful if you're not a if you're a stick jack, it, you don't use it. Right. It, I've never used it. I and I mean I'm not nearly the stick jack other people are, but still I've it's you know what you're doing it. with a pole arm, which means you should be using a Yep. Yeah. Or sort of down spear and flanking, either way. Yeah. Like you don't have to be great at like you don't have to be a warlord to be No, 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 no. Like well, one uncommon stick jack. I mean but, as in you are a competent fighter. Well, no, and, and I guess maybe maybe you're taking it the wrong way. Like even if I'm on like lower or on mid level and I'm not using it, that means it that's even further down the scale before somebody's going to use it. Right. Right. So I like the vampirism a lot. That idea is really good. I like that one. But it's I would definitely Especially if you can do it more than once. Yeah, if it's a two per refresh or I don't know, or one per life three, seems or you're just three ancestral. So right, so so three on that would seem I mean two per two, two per refresh would follow along with like uh the pro meg that, that paladin gets. Yes. That's two per refresh. I mean, it's. I think I think it'd be fair, but I, we'll see. One I mean, that's a lot of self sustainability. And unlimited adrenaline is good. Also, and it's a wizard fourth, so it's a little better. Yeah, it's adrenaline. Adrenaline does not curse the target. You can still pull off your steel life on that target. You can't pull off a brutal strike and a, and a steel life on a target, but you could do. Your adrenaline, and then curse them with a, a steel life. It's good. That's, I like that. I want to push for this. Who do I talk to? Motel. I'll go talk to Motel. <laughs> That's who I talk to right now. Um, uh, Sir Aureli supports this too. <laughs> we, we've got support, guys. We'll make it happen. Get the momentum going. Yeah. It. So Scout and. Uh, anti-paladin fall under what I call the you don't need to level them all the way up because scouts level 6 ability is adaptive blessing which is a once per refresh resistance it, it's, yeah, a, not, it's a third great. level spell it's a third level enchantment for healer it falls under the same thing once you get to level 5 in scout I really don't think you need to level up past that unless is you, it 5 or 4 when you get revolution oh, it's 4 is it four? Okay, uh, so you get something at five. It's decent. Adaptive protection. Third level. They get wait. He was okay. That's ridiculous. I've get adaptive blessing at second level. Right. Okay. You get hold person for for uh, scout at fifth level. So that I would say, and it's once per life. That what I would say is worth to get to level five. But like, I don't think I'm ever gonna get level, scout past level five for a while because it's just. Not that much worth it. Unless they make anti-paladin A, I have to get a knighthood, or B, they have to open it up. If they make anti-paladins undead minion to vampirism, I would definitely get it to six. But otherwise, it's more of a role-play thing, like you were saying, Al. It's it's not as effective as it could be. Like, you could probably switch Awe and undead minion in that list, and it'd be more worth it to get to that top level. But then you're still making a third level spell from a different class, your capstone. Mm-hmm. That's fourth at least. So, yeah. it's better. 
Yeah. We'll see the changes. I like the vampirism. I'll push for it. Better uh, treatment for anti-paladins. We're <laughs> people, too. I need to make a shirt. Um, get a giant banner poster. Just better treatment for anti-paladins. Uh, do we have any other constructive uh, hot takes, comments, anything? No. I have a cat attacking me. <laughs> I think we can hear it. It looks like Al froze. Al, are you still there? That's a fun picture to freeze on. <laughs> Uh, no, it lost out. No. All right. So lasted this long. Oh, he's coming back. Um. There we go. Hey. <laughs> any any last comments, statements, anything else to finish out the uh, podcast? Uh, just disagreeing with you on the the undead minion. I'd rather ditch that entirely. Uh, <laughs> useful with the rest of your ability set as an anti power. Right. I mean. Odd makes sense uh, within uh, for roleplay reasons, and it also fits, and it it's traditional. Uh, Undead minion has never fit at any. Would it would it work if we bumped it to greater undead minion? I don't think that's better. No. Yeah, even with that, like yeah, the, the five count w- is cool, but kind of as as Al stated, like it's not something that you really see on the front line, midline, which is where anti paladins kind of live. Makes sense. <laughs> or make it make it an or. Like like I think this used to be a thing where you could take this ability or this ability. That's how a V seven assassin was, I think. Yeah. So like if you want to put that in the lower ranks uh, for somebody who doesn't want to be out, be out, you know, sticking around, mm-hmm. give them an or, you know, don't give them a brutal strike, give them brutal strike or undead minion. Oh, so like they it. could even become yeah. Oh, really like that because the paladin build currently is useful both as a, a support and as a, a midline. Yeah, I mean they got heal and resurrect, so yeah. Um... I like that. Being able to trade, that'd be interesting. Being able to trade out like three of your abilities for additional uses of undead minion would mean you could max out your undead minion army. Right. Or even pick a couple other support abilities too that are right. valid and themed. Yeah. I think uh, I like the vampirism idea, but I think like my favorite of this idea would be if we somehow just created a new unique ability altogether. Like, it'll be obviously something that we haven't seen before and it's something that we'll have to think about, but I think it'd be cool to have a capstone that's just unique to to Paladin in general. It'd be nice if we had unique capstones for all the classes. Like, we have it for most of them, but Barbarians, uh, Blood and Thunder is technically unique, but it basically copies a self-blessing against wounds. Yeah. I mean, they have that, but at least they have, like, fight after death, like, Right. I know it's not their stone, but I think that, like, like Fly After Death is, like, the defining ability for me of a Barbarian when I think of Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the guys that, when you kill them, they just don't stay down. They keep going. Um, yeah, Unless they get told to stay down. I mean, there's a couple classes. I mean, Scout, Barbarian, Anti-Paladin. Their capstones are not really... I mean, Blood and Thunder is unique, but it's very close to self uh, fight after death, or not fight after death, self, uh, blessing his wounds. 
Um, Scout literally gets a bit of ability that is a copy of another ability, and Anti-Paladin yep. gets a copy of another ability that is somebody else's. Um, oh, Paladins is also a copy of somebody else, but it's a level 6. So yeah, that one's reasonable. A level 6 to level 6. Um, right, I can live with that, but a level 6 to level 2? No. So yeah, maybe. we should definitely... I mean, hopefully, hopefully, because the rules lockdown is no longer in effect, um... Hopefully we can see an 8.5 before we have this V9. V9 is still several years down the road. Um, we still got to play a game for a couple years. Maybe we can see a V8.5 that fixes some of our problems and gets us uh, set up for a better V9. Yeah. Instead of making V9 V8.5 in parentheses, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, with that, do we have any other last comments? No? Okay. Uh, virtual pre-recorded Merrick will roll us out and uh, see y'all. Oh, it'll be a little bit. I'll have, we have a week off coming up, so it'll be four weeks before the next episode. So, This has been another episode of The Paragon Path. If you liked what you heard or saw, please drop us a like and follow on YouTube or Spotify or Google Music or anywhere else that you can find us. We have a Facebook page on The Path that lets you know when we're recording, what you can join into, and what to expect next. We record these episodes live every other weekend on the Kingdom of Polaris Discord. Link is in the comments. If you'd like to learn more, please subscribe, comment, or just drop us a line. As always, happy to see you on the field. See you next time.